I was just going to let it go a little longer. <laughs> we talked about letting it go a little longer, so I was going to Oh, we mess did, with yeah. It. You let the you let the uh, outro go a little bit longer last time too, I think. It seemed longer anyway. I did. Yeah. I You're right. I'm on it, man. I'm on it. How many seconds was it? Like 20? Last week? Yeah. I think I had, well, I faded it in really quietly and I think it totaled like 30. It was nice. It was like I could hear it early. In the the weird thing about last week was we ended the episode. I said, no, let's don't. I have a five minute story to tell. And then we ended it again. Yeah. But our endings were just like, we keep like getting sidetracked. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I don't know, are we ending or not? And that's, so I figured if I played music, people would know it's actually ending. That's a smart way to do it. I mean, that's what we do, though. We always just get some kind of fucking sidetrack going that's on. What, that's 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 the thing, bro. Yeah, I know. Last week I was like, oh, Kyle's done already. Fantastic. It's all good. And all of a sudden you're like, er, never mind. Now, <laughs> Good morning, my man. Hey, brother. What's happening? Oh, well, lots of stuff is happening. Um, do a real quick uh, good morning to my uh, pops down in Texas. He's mm. a new listener, which is pretty awesome. He uh, texted me last week, and he's like, hey, what's the name of that podcast again? So I told him, and he says, I can't find it because, you know, he's old. That's okay. Don't worry. We understand. And uh, so I sent him the link. And he's like, he's like, oh, this is the greatest. You guys are so fun. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I was going to listen to them all in one day. <laughs> That's a long day. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. You know, and then he says, well, maybe I'll save it. He goes, I want to listen to a live one. I'm like, uh-uh. we don't have those yet. <laughs> no he live. wants to listen to it live? I, yeah, I think he, he thought that. This is a radio show? Well, something. I don't know. But he was like, I, he, he mentioned he wanted to listen to it live. And I'm like, well, the next one we record is tomorrow morning. But it's not going to happen until <laughs> probably Tuesday. So. Which might mean Monday, but usually it's Tuesday. Wink, wink. It's range. It's range. Just yeah. keep you on your toes. How you doing this morning, my man? I'm doing good. I got some... My blood's pumping, man. Right on. I don't... Uh, I was telling you this before. It was... I didn't get much sleep. And it's weird when you don't get much sleep. And then you wake up and you're, like, rocking. Yeah. What do you, what do you think that is? Like, your body's just, like, in... In like overdrive mode because he knows you're you're on teetering on the edge. I don't know. I'm, waiting. Fucking I'm just waiting over. to crash. Yeah, that's what it is. So it was a, it was uh, yeah. I just didn't get much sleep last night, but hey, that's how things go. So well, yeah, and I was telling you, uh, this last week was one of our first uh, full forty hour, nice solid ten hour day weeks of uh, um, landscaping. And dude, at the end of the day, like that, it was Monday or Tuesday night. We had dinner. Everything's feeling pretty good. Sat down on the couch, and I was just out cold at eight thirty at night. And it was it. That was it. I clocked it in. Went to bed. Woke up at five thirty, six o'clock, and it was just like every single day since. It's been every night. I've been out, and uh, it's um, it's just a different kind of tired. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because I haven't been doing this all. You know, those of you listen landscaping. If I'm sure if you've done it before, it's a uh, very labor intensive, and uh, but it's. I think it's um for me, it's a whole different world of day to day activities because not only am I working on the ground all day long and then I come home and I do paperwork all night and I get up in the morning and do paperwork in the morning and I talk to clients and I feel like that mental energy that gets taken as well is just as big of a of a of a um burn as your physical energy. You know, like for sure. They for say sure. your brain takes what, like 40% of your body's blood or something oh, like that. Wow. It's wild. It's wild. Um, and, uh, well, they, I was, uh, I heard on a podcast, another podcast that it like these grandmaster chess champion people, 
they'll burn like 5,000 calories in a chess match. Just, just, just the intensity of it. Jeez. Just sitting there, the mental function, brain power is like focusing on that. It burns a ton of calories. You know, it's like when you look at those, <clears throat> excuse me, and you look at those chess guys, no, those chess guys, I don't know. I look at chess guys in movies and shit, so I'm going to only say that's all I know. Um, you watched The Queen's Gambit? I did. Yeah, we oh, talked about yeah. this the other week. That was such a good series. It really was. It really they was. Did a, they did an awesome job with that. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Do you play chess? Um, Not like, well. Well, dude. But I know how to. You know how yeah, to. Yeah. yeah. I learned a long time ago, and I suck so bad. I was like, nope. So I, I, bar- I barely know how. Yeah. But. I understand the I understand the game. Can you do the three moves ahead shit? No. 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 Yeah, that's the part. I, I'm just, in the moment. What's happening? I, it's hard to see ahead. Um, maybe if I like played regularly, I could get to that point, mm-hmm. but I haven't played. I mean, we play, we have chess club here at the club okay. at the Boys and girls club and some of those kids are awesome at it. Um, but it, and I haven't played like seriously sat down with someone and played probably since high school. Well, and you don't want to sit down with them because you're going to whip your ass and you don't want that. Yeah. To they'll happen. kick my ass. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not yeah. good at this. When I play checkers with my son, I can think ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I think I know what he's going to do, but then he doesn't. <laughs> it's just fucking checkers, man. It's about the limit of my look-ahead strategic skills when it comes to chess and oh, shit. That's yeah? why I'll never be like um, like a great war general shit. Sur- like those guys, you know. The, yeah, they're the trying strategic- to strategize. strategize. Yeah. Um, strategize. <laughs> I, w- I always thought like um, when I was a younger man, I'm like, okay, so we ever got into a big war when i'm older like who am i gonna be in the war right and i always look at movies because that's all i really know about war um and uh, i mean i heard documentaries and stories and books and shit but i mean you know what i mean and i'm like oh, i'm gonna be that tom hanks guy <laughs> i'm gonna be that <laughs> old guy that you know kind of knows his shit a little bit you know and and like he's like kind of wise and you know everybody can kind of look to him for some sage-like wisdom <laughs> and it's like I don't think so. No. <laughs> no, I don't. Not at this point. You know, we'll see. Hopefully, we never have to face that fact. Right. Um, it's weird. So, do you find yourself? Okay, this is going to be a weird question. Bring it on. And I'm going to use the word fantasizing, but that's the wrong word. <laughs> often. Often. No, yes. no, no. But <laughs> do you find yourself like running through scenarios? Like day to day scenarios and putting yourself as a hero, like oh, if this happened, I would do this. Like oh, fuck yeah. Oh, if I came across the car accident, yep, I'm gonna pull over. I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna save this person's life. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? Like what's up? What is that? I think it's so. I do that all the time. Not all the time, but when, when I I think about those kind of things, and it's like yeah, I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna be the guy that runs up, grabs the fucking door, even though it's really hot or there's a fire or something. And I think that. I don't know. I think somewhere in our dreams, we all want to be the the person that's going to jump into the flames to save somebody's life, you know? And I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I push out or not. I don't, I don't think I would, but at the same time, it's like, I've never been in that situation. That's what I was going to ask. Have you ever been in a situation where you did have to step up and like it, you just did it instinctively and then thought like, Oh yeah, see, there you go. Well, see, when I was a kid, like I stood up for people, you know, like I've had people that were getting bullied or something yeah. and I stood up for them. But it's like in a situation where um, you were saving somebody's life, 
or or jumping into a fire or you know someone's in a car wreck i just i don't i can't think of anything that i've been in in my life where i've i feel like i've had to do that mm-hmm. How about you no i haven't um the closest thing i can think of is when we were living in appleton um there was a guy who like this guy he was riding his bicycle and he i was across the street and he ran into the front of someone's car and by default that person hit him and more or less almost ran him over um so the car was moving the car was moving going straight this guy wasn't paying attention or honestly uh, was on drugs mm-hmm. and literally ran into this guy's car and then by default got thrown onto their hood and then in front of the car and the guy partially like you know hit him mm-hmm. um so i uh, other than you know driving up and checking on the guy who was semi-conscious and then calling 911 right but what i didn't you know i was younger too i don't know yeah i think everybody wants to be a hero at some point right i mean you want to you want to think that I do. I want to think that I'm going to be the guy that's going to have what it takes to step in to save somebody. Sure. You know, and maybe it's just like the desire to be the good good guy or something or the hero. You could say hero. Well, I when I say hero, I mean I don't even think about like hero on television or or any kind of like story or anything. More along the lines of like, um, the, yeah, the good guy, the guy that steps up and um, is willing to put himself in danger mm-hmm. to uh to help somebody you know and it's a uh, uh yeah you know and it, like i would always be the guy that would stop on the side of the road to help somebody mm, sure and um and there have been some times when i didn't because it just seemed a little sketch you know and it's yeah. like if i got my kids in a car or something oh, right but at the same time it's like i don't know they say the world we live in today, you can't do that shit. But I think that bad shit happened to people who did that all the time. You just didn't hear about it. You know, like the news wasn't what it is today. And there were like people. Like stopped to help someone and it turned out to be an ambush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that shit happened even before, like, you know, back in the day when everybody said times were different. Yeah. I just think that we didn't hear about it. Oh, know? right. You know, it happened on some old country road and, you know, there's probably some fucking body still in the woods. Someplace, someplace. Yeah, there's, there, you drive by someone, you're like, yeah, I just. It's it's hard. It's hard sometimes. I mean, yeah, especially when my kids are in the car. Um, right. When my um when Lincoln, my oldest, he was mm, six months, maybe eight months. This was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um I was driving him home and uh we came to a country road and there was a guy and his wife and the guy was getting they were stopped in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. And not, he wasn't older, older, but he was older than me. Yeah. You know, maybe mid fifties and they were arguing. And so, but I have Lincoln in the car. Right. And so I pull up and I I have a front seat. I do. And I roll down the window. Oh, and I had my dog in the car at the time too. Oh, okay. I forgot Sydney was with us. And, um, you know, he's like this and he's swearing at his wife and he goes, she's drunk and I'm not riding with her and blah, 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 blah. It's like, do you want me to? call you a ride he's like i just need to get here and i'm thinking i can't i can't pick you up right now buddy no i got a sleeping you know six month old and a dog yeah and it's just this isn't the place i can be for you yeah well no one's gonna blame you for that yeah 
So I, mean, I ended up calling non-emergency dispatch, and I hope they got it figured out. Well, yeah, and and, the, and on top of that, you know, if he's screaming that she's drunk, yeah, and uh, technically he's not, though he may have been. Oh, I think know? he was too. But it's like, okay, I understand. Like, yeah, don't get in the car with her. That's fine. But you're also in the middle of freaking nowhere, right? Well, yeah, and 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 if you take him and you're leaving a drunk woman with the car, right? You know, so then you're you're setting her up for being, you know whatever being drunk driving so it's that's just a really tricky situation and you know sometimes yeah it's just you mean i think you made right call man i wouldn't want to not with my kid in, in the car i do too i don't i don't uh i don't regret that decision i feel bad for the guy and i did but what do you do what do you do in that kind of case right you're not going to put i'm not mm-hmm. i'm sorry i'm not going to put my child mm-hmm. in any danger like i don't know you no yeah and you're, you're it, crazy you're not crazy you're you're clearly is what I was trying to say, like in a aggressive state, you're clearly slightly intoxicated yourself. It's just, yeah, you can't. Mm -mm. No, it's just too sketchy. It's too sketchy. It's, um, you know, I I think, I think like there should be, there's a, there's a difference between, I mean, the fact that you stopped and asked, that's one thing. I mean, that's one level of help. Yeah. You know, there, it's going to take another level to invite someone in your vehicle, you know? So the, your willingness in my, in, my, in my mind, your willingness to even stop and roll down the window and say, Hey man, what's going on? You guys need me to call somebody. That's something, you know, whereas you could have just driven by, you mm-hmm. could have been like, ah, oh, a couple of drunk people getting yeah. a fight in the middle of the road. That's just stupid. I'm trying you know? to remember if Sam was in the car. I don't know. It was a couple years ago. Yeah. But it was, again, it was a sketchy situation. Yeah. You know, so, and then there's, uh, I had one situation when I was in town, in town Baraboo, um, and uh, there's this old guy in this old beat up truck, and it's all full of trash and shit, and he was out, and he had to been like 70, and he was had a flat tire, and uh, so I had all my kids with me, right, but we're in town, so I, I pulled up behind the guy, and my kids are like, what are we doing? I said, I'm going to help this guy real quick, I'm going to see if he needs a hand. So I got out and helped this old guy change his tire and dug through the back of his truck, through his trash to get his spare tire out. And we got it changed and I don't know, took a half an hour probably. And um, I get back in the car and uh, my kids are like, why did you do that? It's like, well, because it's what we're supposed to do. You know, we're really supposed to help each other. And, uh, and I think like that's lost a little bit. You know, sure. and so I maybe kind of going back to that, that hero dream, that mindset of like wanting to be that guy is like, that's what we're really supposed to do. Like down at our core, like human to human, we're supposed to care about another, one another and, and like value each other's lives like they're our own. And we're supposed to help people out when we can, you know, but now we've got all these biases and, and, and what ifs and, you know, scenarios running through our head that, uh, that prevent us from maybe tapping into that just straight up humanity. Sure. You know, because that's like, it always feels good. Right. When you have that thought, it's like, yeah, yeah, it feels good. Like I'm, I could do that. You know, I could be that guy. I usually feel that way. And then I usually feel like, God, it's fucked up that I'm even thinking about this. Mm. Yeah. Why do you, th- <laughs> why do you think it's fucked up? I don't know. Cause it's, you're taking, you're essentially, I'm just going to use the words fantasizing because yeah, I don't know right. another word. You're fantasizing someone's hardship so that you can be the hero. 
like through through that thought process i'm essentially fantasizing again is the word i'm using oh yeah someone's house is burning down Mm -hmm. and you're they're stuck yeah so i'm in my mind, I'm what, putting someone in a very bad a situation. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So then it's not so bad. Like if you're like, if you got someone specifically, <laughs> some dude that crossed you and you're like, hey man, am I going to save this guy's life? If, but it's if, just, you know what I mean? I do. Like I you're, do. you're literally thinking someone, you know, hardship on, you're thinking yeah. of hardship on someone or someone gets in a terrible car accident. Like that shit happens all the time. It does. That's, a, that's why I was going to say it's easy to do because it, all, it always, it happens all the time. There's always car accidents and house fires and shit. I know. You know, there's it's always. Scary. It's yeah. scary. You know, I think about like, uh, so when I see the hurricanes going through and shit, you know, when you, when you see, when, when I saw Katrina going through and it's like, I, I wanted like, part of me wanted to just like grab my truck, grab my chainsaws and just go. Don't forget your boat. I didn't have a boat. <laughs> I was going to go to those neighborhoods that didn't need a boat, <laughs> you know, and and my, uh, um, I think, I think that this is this is correct, and I'll be corrected if it's not. But I think my um, my brother was telling me about that time my dad was going to go down there, and uh, he did he does construction, he did concrete and construction work, and so he was going to go down there and start doing some building and stuff like the rebuild part. And a lot of guys that went down there to do that, they always said like, um, you always had to walk around with a gun. Oh, sure. Because, you know, here you got thousands of dollars of equipment that you're doing these rebuilds with and people are just going and stealing it from you or, or they're, you know, holding you up and taking all your shit because, you know, because they're destitute, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, so that's where, that's where the questioning comes in. It's like, okay, so what's going to happen to me if I go down there? Is it, is there potential for me to get hurt, assaulted, all my shit stolen, whatever, you know, and that's where you know, the, uh, the mind plays the tricks on you, the what ifs, you know? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good, good way to put it where the mind plays tricks. Cause what ifs, I think probably has to do with some level like of anxiety. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, but the what if game, right? Well, yeah, it is. How many, how many good intentions, how many good ideas have been destroyed by what ifs millions millions well and so that they say that's what separates us is our our ability to to reflect on the past and use that information to make decisions about our future Mm -hmm. you know the things we don't know that are going to happen but we have a like a high probability that these things are going to happen because they've happened before so we that allows us to get into that what if game yeah and at times, that what if game I think works for people. You oh, know? I, I'm not. Uh, I don't think risk assessment is a bad thing at all. I well, think isn't you, that the same? Yeah, it is. And I'm, but I think there's different levels. Like a reasonable level of like someone's going to assume a reasonable level of risk with anything. Sure. And they're going to assess that. But the question becomes: When does the what if game turn into these crazy, like? point zero zero one percent and that kind of stuff imparts its way into your decision making when it's not really reasonable to yeah like turns into paralysis almost yeah yeah um yeah that or like even even in the on the benefit okay so here so 
the what if game. I enjoy the occasional play of the lottery. Yep. Now, do I think I'm going to win the lottery? Nope. Nope. But I think <laughs> of it as, okay, I don't smoke. I drink a lot less soda. I don't drink alcohol often. Obviously, if you reflect on whiskey night, um, I, I'll swing $2 a week. I'll buy a ticket. And the the what if game is, well, it's not going to happen, but what if? Right. Oh, yeah. That's the but greatest do you know what the what odds if. are? Yeah. Do you know what the, like, like 3 million or something yeah, to one, isn't 300 it? million. Or 300 million to one. It's, the, the three three hundred fifty million, whoever buys it, yeah, yeah. the 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 reasonable, like, part of me is like, this is just a waste of money. I'm literally mm-hmm. burning. I could just light this on fire, and yep. I would get the same effect. No, it wouldn't. Well, it wouldn't because, because in this sense, I get the the hope factor. Yeah, the you get factor. You get so the that's little, a positive side. You get the little firing in your uh, medulla oblongata or whatever yeah, the hell that is in your brain there. <laughs> So yeah, no, that's so a, I guess it works both ways. What that's if? a great what if, and I'm with you on that. And see, you do it every week. Um, yeah, usually ish, ish. And it, <laughs> this is so stupid. Someone will win, and like the Powerball, it'll go down to like twenty million, and uh-huh. then you're like, yeah, twenty million. It was just at one hundred forty <laughs> million. I don't need to buy a ticket this week. What the fuck are you talking about, bro? I was going to say the exact same thing, man. I'm not buying a ticket unless it's at least $350 million. <laughs> It's like, I'm not even going to waste my time. Because, not waste your time yeah. for that t- mere 20. Yeah. Even though when it gets to $350 million, my odds are exponentially worse because that many more people are buying tickets. That's not how it works. What do you mean? It's, it's, the more tickets that get sold, the less your odds. No. The odds are always the same because it's it's a pure number base. So your odds are the same. They're they're always one in three hundred and fifty million. Whether oh, yeah, you, whether suppose, you yeah. buy one ticket or whether you buy forty tickets or forty people sense. buy tickets, because it's it's what numbers get pulled. It doesn't because there's there's weeks where people obviously don't win. Yeah, and so oh, well that's perfect. And then I, then I don't feel like a total dumbass for wait until it's it gets always huge. it's always the same odds essentially. Remember when it was like. 1.5 billion or yeah. something like someone that. Someone in Wisconsin won that too, right? I don't know. I don't know who won that one. Did, did somebody in Wisconsin I f- win? I thought it was. That's so much money, man. It's like, like how, yeah. when I was, I was thinking about it and one of the things that helps me think about the difference between like 1.1 billion and a million, it's like a million dollars is a lot of fucking dollars. Mm-hmm. But a billion dollars is a thousand million dollars. Yeah. Right? Isn't that right? Yeah. I think it's a thousand. It is, yeah. A thousand million. That is like, that's so many zeros, man. Like, how do you even, what What do you do with that? I have no idea. I got ideas. <laughs> oh, yeah I, yeah. Can, I can tell you a lot of ways to, to spend that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's so, it, the, the lotto is this tricky little thing that. Um, you know, what pisses me off the most, and it shouldn't, but it does, is like when you see a lot of winner, and they're like ninety. Oh, and it's like it's like wait a minute, like I want to see some twenty year old win the lottery. I want to. Well, I think some- I think the guy who won that one point whatever billion was a younger dude. Really, I don't know if he's twenties, but maybe thirties. That's so awesome. That makes me that that just like when I hear about somebody young winning the lottery. And I'm sorry if you're older and you're listening to this. You, you know, I'd be happy if you win the lottery too. But, like, I want to see what some young person does with it. Because it's like there's a whole different mindset 
when you're 20 or 30 and when you're 7 you're yeah. 80, you know. And granted, if you're 70 or 80, whoever those people are, their family is happy as fuck that they won the oh, lottery. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's like, do you want to go for a jog, Grandpa? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should go fishing. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, man, I always figure... Is it? That's a question I've been asking myself probably since I was a kid. What would I do if I won the lottery? Yeah. You know, always. What would you know? Maybe when you're when I was a kid, I started out with what would I do if I had a hundred dollars? You know, but a million dollars or five million dollars, and and uh, I always think I know what I'm gonna do. But it's again, it's that thing with the car accident. You never really know until right. it hits until you. You're in that situation. You know, like I don't know what that would even feel like. So, but I think. What, what I'm, I'm trying to think how to word what I want to say. I think that what if game can also be a negative in the lot of light of do do folks make choices on a dream? Do they make meaning? Do they forego something reasonable because they want to buy that ticket for the chance for the dream? Oh right? sure, that's it's I, like a, it's it's like gambling. That's going to casino. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not going to, I'm going to hold back this $30 a week in my retirement account because I'm going to go buy lotto tickets because mm -hmm. if I hit it, I don't need a retirement account. Right. And then they do that for 40 years because it's impossible to win. You know, I bet you that happens more often than not with people who are just getting by. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I've been in that place where I'm just getting by, I'm just coming out of that place where I'm just getting by and. There's a sense of like the little bit I have that I could save is so minuscule mm -hmm. that it's never going to add up to anything that's going to be significant. So I might as well throw my throw my hat in the ring and see if I could win win big. You know where I didn't I've never been a real big lotto guy, um, but like you know once twice uh, every six months when it gets really big mm -hmm. or something, but. There's a mentality that goes with when you have so little, the thought of like saving it is, uh, uh, it's really fucking hard. It's hard because it feels like there's so, it's just, it's such a small amount of money. You know, it's like, it, go, it could be gone in the blink of an eye where, and that's the, I, I guess that's kind of one of the things that, you know, when people aren't taught really well when they're young about how to save money for retirement, you don't realize like, saving 15 bucks a week or 30 bucks a week can really make a difference in 25 years. Yeah. You know, um, 30 bucks a week, it's uh 120 bucks a month. That's hundred and or $1,400 a year. Yeah. Well, I think anyway, we talked about a little bit, I think last week where when it, when you think about people in poverty, it's, um, their parents were in poverty maybe before them. And so the, the, the pass down of knowledge of how to properly save and how to get ahead is, is missing. Mm. It's basically, we're just getting by every day, day in, day out, we're getting by. And, and so they carry on that mentality too, getting by day in, day out. I'm going to get my nine to five. I'm going to do, I'm going to work really hard and I'm just going to get by. And, you know, and you think about, like maybe 50 years ago, so many jobs had a pension. Yeah. So many jobs did it for you, you know? And I think the reason the, the government started that whole program or made that a mandate for a lot of companies 
was because people weren't doing it. And as we as we get older and we get into retirement, they realize that there were a lot of people that were woefully unprepared and were suffering and struggling. Um, so they wanted to create the Social Security Fund. Mm-hmm. So people had something to help them get by. And uh, they realized that there was an issue way back when because our elderly population. Because people don't live with their kids anymore. Grandparents don't move in with kids anymore. That's not a thing. You know, that you don't see those multi-generational houses. Yeah, talk about what ifs. I've... <laughs> what? I mean, I, I think I told you a couple of weeks ago, like the ultimate goal for me would be to build a house. Yeah. And so I've I've had the thought like, okay, if I was in a situation where we could build a house, would I add a, like a mother-in-law suite for my in-laws or my parents? Like mm. if it ever got to it. Yeah. Would you? I don't think so. Yeah. See, it's... um. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like they used to be you just can, so, I, so commonplace. Just, you can live in my basement, but I'm not going to add an extra room for you. <laughs> stick, stick, stick them hey, in the I, basement. I do want to say something. Um, first off, Lotto. Okay, I. Uh, if you are addicted to gambling, go seek help. I, I'm not promoting the lottery, but I don't. I see the reason why it's there. And when I say that I play the lottery, it, again, it's like one ticket a week and I have some discretionary income that I can You put don't have it. to justify your problem. Okay, I'm Kyle. just telling you. Second thing is, uh, Sam and I, we've, we've been budgeting and although our budget's tight, there's a freedom that comes to budgeting your money and like understanding where it goes and where you're wasting it. Oh, man. And, yeah. okay, I'm no financial coach. Like, but if, if someone's out there and you're like, really tight and you want a little help and walk through on budgeting reach out i will sit down with you and i will help you because it has been for us it has been a an eye-opening experience it has been just honestly amazing and uh i think it's something that everyone should try and do and the nerd in me here's a fun fact before we budgeted ike i went through i sat up one night and i went through six months payment payments that we made I, I scoured through every credit card bill and i classified every charge on what it went towards i went through our entire bank account and i literally labeled every dollar and where everything went to try and like see where we were spending money nice that's what it you, was intense. That's what you're supposed to do but like but that's how you find out where everything goes yeah and then you're like oh shit we're spending 300 dollars a month on takeout that's insane Right, that it, well, it's insane to you. Well, yeah, just it, the poppy, poppy, poppy cups. <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah, that would be so fucking awesome if the first person that even emailed or called in or left a message was to get you to help with financial support. <laughs> I would kind of love that. So somebody needs to hit up Kyle on that. No, and you're going to get a solid dude. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You sons of bitches, <laughs> don't read the show notes because last episode, I know there's right now five days into posting, 27 of you that have listened, and only one person's responded to my survey monkey about Ivy League schools. Who was it, Bill? Mm, no, it was I, no. The, the response was not "I am Bill," even though that is a response option. The response was I don't know who it is. It's anonymous. The response was. No, Ivy League school does not matter to them. Okay. So thank you to the one person who responded. That's awesome. Wait, 
we did have somebody respond. That's, that's party time right now. Somebody break out the scotch. Oh, right. Just not that Highland 12 because I got I to gotta be able to drink it. <laughs> well, okay, we'll bring out the maple syrup bourbon for Kyle and the Highland 12 for Ike. So I haven't, uh, I haven't dove back into uh, the bourbon the bourbon since that night. I, I got to be honest with you, too. At, after that night, my, uh, my scotch sipping has probably been cut down to 50%. Oh. It's, um, but you, I just, part of it is I went, I went a little long that night, went yeah. a little deep, deep into the scotch world. And then the next day, I was feeling it pretty, pretty good. I was like a you're sack of old. shit. You're getting <laughs> old. No, what? I don't think I'm getting old. I think I just like I just over overdid it. over overdid it. Yeah. Um. And you know they say like there's that thing like you get uh, that one drunk with tequila or whatever that says you're never gonna drink that again. I think that the first time I tried to I know that the first time I tried to sip scotch again after that night, my body was like mm, mm-hmm. I don't. It, it wasn't like throw up. But it was just like we don't like this right now. Yeah, like like this is something we don't we don't want to talk to this guy for a while. So just put it back, and uh, and it was like, well, are you sure? Took another little sip. <laughs> My body's like, I'm telling you, motherfucker, this is not for us right now. <laughs> and uh, and so I listened to the bot and yeah, set it aside, it, and um, you know, now uh, I have a glass of wine with dinner or something like that, or after dinner. Um, that's pretty tasty. You notice, like, I don't know about you, because I know you, you're not a, a, a big drinker, but in, uh, um, I don't even know what that means. Anyways. As the weather changes, the the drink changes. Oh, sure. You know, so, like, I noticed, like, in in the wintertime, whiskey's really nice. Yeah, it warms it's you up a little warms bit. warms you up a little bit. It's sip. It's nice and slow. It's smooth. In the summertime, see, for me, if I crack open the top my grill i want to grab a beer yeah i just want to hold a beer and and sip on a beer an ice cold beer and it doesn't have to be anything major heavy or anything just it's just uh it's like they go hand in hand you got the the, your your clackers Mm -hmm. in one hand and then you got the beer in the other hand and you're flipping your chicken or you're taking your spatula and you flip your burgers it's just it just goes hand in hand drink I, i can see why drinks are like seasonal i mean so is food right Oh, sure. Like, you're not going to – well, how often when it's 75, 80 degrees out midsummer in Wisconsin, are you freaking slow cooking some chili? Oh, right. Right. You're Hardly not ever. making that shit. Mm-mm. No. But when it's 17 degrees out mid-December, hell yeah, give me some chili and cornbread. Yeah, you know, Stephanie and I were just talking about that, and we were relating it to uh, cooking a roast. Like, I'll put a roast in a slow cooker in the wintertime. And you, and you got mashed, you got potatoes and carrots and onions, and you have this big, big roast. But in the summer, it's more like I eat a lot more burgers, I eat a yeah. lot more stuff off the grill. And because so I'm, you know, I'm a venison eater. Um, and uh, I got a, I got a nice buck this last fall, mm-hmm. and you, I was showing you that this morning. Um, yeah, you're I, just getting to it. It was pretty, you know, rotted and shit. But yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> thank you, thank you. No, you just got your skull back. You yeah, got a just skull got, mount. yeah, we got the mount. I just got my mount back. Uh, Scott Hill, Hill Taxidermy, did a fantastic job. If you guys need some, need some shit done. He only does fifteen a year. 
Wow. So, he, so you were you were exclusive. I was one of the fifteen. He, he he keeps it pretty limited, which is, and it just turned out really nice. So there's a difference between. I got a European mount. Mm-hmm. So, for those of you listening don't know what a European mount is, you get your full on regular mount, which is looks like the deer head on the wall to the shoulder usually. Um, and that what's it just a, that's that's a shoulder mount shoulder mount yep. standard shoulder mount so um a european mount is when it's just like the bleached skull and the horns yeah um and then there's a little hanger on the back of the on the back of the skull and what it does is like there's these beetles that he orders they're flesh-eating beetles and he you put it in a tub and they just eat everything off the skull right down to the bone and it's really awesome if you can see a time lapse of it it's a little gruesome but it's still really cool to watch the process so after the flesh is all gone to do a final clean out and then he bleaches it Mm -hmm. and it's to me i like that better than a shoulder mount yeah it's to me there's like a level of i don't know if it's like it's almost more like an art piece as opposed to a taxidermy hunter piece you know it's like it's like a blend I thought for sure Stephanie was gonna be like, I don't want it on my wall. But when she saw it, she's like, Oh. Yeah, well we can hang that in the living room. There's certainly a difference. Um, so I am they're called European mounts, like you mentioned. Yeah. Uh I'm a European mount guy as well. I, that's all my um bucks to date have been European mounted. Um and there's just like a shoulder mount traditional, it either has to be a really like once in a lifetime buck. Because those are expensive, too. It's expensive as shit to get that shit, to get those things mounted. It's like a couple grand, right? Um, I don't know if it's a couple grand, but it's probably like a grand at least. Okay. Um, but I, I don't know. I haven't, other, I've never had one done. So yeah. I don't, okay. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, like you said, the European mount, there's just something a little bit more uh artsy might be the right word but when i think of a shoulder mount i'm thinking like northwoods cabin style right. i'm not thinking like it 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 has a very limited place in where it can go right where a european mount you can kind of put a lot of different locations yeah and i understand why you like european mounts because you have some like european mounts like in texas right like that's a big thing isn't it like, um, I'm, thi- I'm thinking like texas longhorn european oh yeah yeah so to that to that point, yeah, they do that a lot with cows, like yeah. Texas Longhorns, uh, buffalo. Yeah, yeah, you see that a lot. I was, yeah, I was gonna mention that. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, I just I like the look of European. I do too, because you, yeah, just for that point, I was surprised, but it makes sense that you can put it just about anywhere. Yeah. Uh, so I was surprised that Stephanie was well. Was you down see, with it. I think Joe Rogan has like one on his desk. Does he? I thought so. A cow? No, I think it's a deer. Is it a deer? Like he has a skull there. It's not a big buck, but it's a skull on his new one. In his new I don't studio? know. I don't, I don't watch him. I just saw the one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. He has a new studio. <laughs> yeah, well, he's in Austin, Texas now. Yeah, yeah. He moved to Austin, and he had. Well, he's had two studios in Austin yeah. now. So but, there you go. Um, I, I, I can't say that. I don't watch that video of him as much as I listen to it. It's easier for me to listen. But with the year going back to there's the a versatility though. though. There really is. Yeah, and and I think that there's because it's a stark white. Yeah. You know, I think there's a piece of like, you, I think when people see a, a mount like that, um, they don't think about a live animal. You know, that, that, that animal could have been like when you see the cows or the buffalo or, or uh, you know, that's art, right? There's people have been painting them for years mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's more of a thing where it's like, 
it's a little more abstract. You can think about it as like it, there, it's, it's death, you know. Um, whereas when you see one that looks alive on the wall, some people just doesn't sit right with them because it feels like they're looking at them. Sure. You know, I, I know people, it's like they don't want to be in a room with a whole bunch of animals that look like they're alive knowing they're dead because there's something. Yeah, it's, it's just it's a little weird. It's a little strange. It's like, um, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know a guy. He had um, <clears throat> mounted a fox, but it looked like it was alive. Mm-hmm. And he put it in the corner of his bedroom, and he set it up in a way where you, when you walk in the room, it looked like it was looking at you when you came <laughs> to the door. It's fucking weird. It was just like it was can, just it was kind of creepy. Yeah, I can understand like small animals. Like you really don't have a choice on what you're going to do with them. I mean, you, I guess that you could. You could if, do a if skull. You got, if you did the skull of a fox, you're not going to know it's the skull of a fox. It, well, you would. You personally would, but yeah. no one else would. But yeah, having that shit like staring at you, like again, it it you have to have a very specific place. Like if you right. had a cabin in the right. woods, and they, like they could be on the wall and not like creepily looking at you. Like okay, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Well, you know when you go to um like those big lodges, like you were talking about when you guys went to Canada. You know, when you go to those big lodges, fishing lodges and hunting lodges, yep. and I know when out in Idaho, um, they've got big lodges and restaurants and stuff, and they've always got big mounts on the wall, right? It's a little different, I think, in situations like that, where it's like it's a cabin, logs, you're out in the woods, like you said, north woods kind of feel it, and it's a little more wild feeling, and you almost have the expectation that there's going to be a mount on the wall, like a big moose or mm-hmm. an elk or, or like a big bear or something. But, like, uh, I know a guy who had a a game room in his house when I was back in high school. This guy's a kid I knew his uncle had a game room in his house. And there was, like, there was moose, elk, bear, cougar, or mountain lion, whatever you want to call it. Um, There was, like, uh, all kinds of fish and pheasants. And the whole room, you're just surrounded by all this Mm -hmm. mounts of everything. And it was just like, you know, 70 pairs of eyes. Yeah. You know, and so I I thought initially, you know, when I look at that, it's like, well, that's really impressive. This guy's a major hunter. Like, he's got a lot of trophies in here. But if you're not into hunting at all and you walk into a room like that, it's got to feel really creepy. Yeah. You know, it's just kinda- All I can think of is the... Uh- the old Ace Ventura scene when he walks into that mountain room and he's just spinning around and all you see is like the animals. In the yeah. Eyes. Yeah. I know he's losing his mind. That's if you're an animal lover too, especially, you know, like if you're like PETA. Yeah. Oh, can't imagine what that scallop feel just like that. Like yeah. you just can't handle it. What's okay. Fish. What are you going to get a mount, a fish mount? Like what? Dude, some people really love it. It's not even the real fish, though, right? It's just a replication. Is I, it? I think so. I think it's all just based on, like, a picture and measurements, and then they remake it. Whoa, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm totally wrong in this. I don't know. I don't want fish. I suppose if it's, like, a big, like, game fish, I get it. Um, Like a like a swordfish or something? Yeah, something cool. Yeah, like... But, like, I sometimes you go and you, like, you see a bluegill. Like, it's a a fucking bluegill man i like you got to really love fishing to mount a bluegill well see and i think that that there's a huge difference i think with the swordfish on the wall like in a 
like in a, in your big room over the yeah, door or like something. Yeah, like a main. Yeah, or like a little piece of driftwood with a bluegill on it yeah. on your desk. You know, it's like like the little bluegill's an accent piece that sits on your desk. <laughs> is kind of floating in the air on a piece of driftwood as opposed. Have you seen the ones where they're hanging on a fishing line like a stringer? No. So they'll see these mounts where it's like there'll be five or six fish hanging on a stringer over like a piece of wood or on off of a hook on the wall. And it's like, what's that about? You know, it's like just to show how big of a fisherman you are. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you love, you love slaying fish so much. You're going <laughs> to hang a bunch of fake ones on you. Like that can't be cheap to have five fish done on a stringer. Yeah, I don't know. Fake. Yeah. I don't know, I, I don't know how much it costs to mount a fish, but it's like, you got to really be impressed by that fish. In fact, I joke about bluegills and I'm pretty sure in my basement I have a bluegill that was my wife's because her dad is a huge fisherman. Oh, and he had it. He had it. He had it mounted. mounted. I mean, it's not like we display it, but I'm, I'm fairly That's confident hilarious. there's a fish down there somewhere. <laughs> the guy who's bitching about fish has got one in his basement. I, I'm not. I just no, don't I understand it. Yeah. I don't understand yeah. it. Wrong, wrong terminology. It's. I guess it's just the emotional attachment to it, really. I mean, that's a great example of, like, there's an emotional attachment. If your dad had that mountain done, sent to the taxidermist, it's like, I want to do this fish because this is a fish my daughter caught on sure. a special day. And this is, I, I never want to forget this day. I don't want her to forget it. But it's still weird. It's still a weird way to try to remember this this dead fish that's like. Yeah, you know, I guess when I, think old, of, when I think of fish, they're they're just so abundant and, like, Blue, and I'm talking like panfish right now, mm -hmm. right? Like f people go pan fishing, and what's the limit? Twenty five gills. Yeah. Okay, so one of those twenty five is special enough that you're gonna mount well, it. Well, but then you can the go thing. tomorrow, and you can try fishing again, and then you can go fishing the next day, and you can go fishing the next day. It's got to mark a day. It's got. Yeah, it's got to be super significant. Yeah. It's just got. It's got to just absolutely mark a day that that you went to this special place with a special person, or like. Maybe it's your thousandth bluegill you ever caught in your yeah. life or some shit. Like, you know, this is a day that I survived a heart attack or something. Sure. I don't know. I could just see like a little a little brass plaque underneath on the piece of wood that has like <laughs> the date and then why the fuck it means anything. Because otherwise, yeah, it's just a fish. It's one of a million. Yeah. Where at least, at least like a deer. Okay, you shot one deer and you mounted the one yeah deer that yeah that was the year and this it, is. that's the year and it's not that fishing is like given but deer is a lot more sporadic than bluegill fishing oh well, yeah bluegill fishing for sure right yeah um they've got like so um like out west in idaho my cousins went uh he my cousin took his son sturgeon fishing and sturgeon are they're like fucking dinosaurs you ever seen a sturgeon? No. Their scales are like I don't know, they're like there's there's like this big. I'm I'm okay. I'm there's no there's no camera in here. I'm about a, up that's guy. about a 6-inch fillet yeah. or a 6-ounce fillet. Yeah, it's it's they're huge scales and, and they're like really really fucking tough, super tough skin. And they got these massive teeth and they're so they're like like a fucking dinosaur mm -hmm. fish. And my cousin had this picture of him. They reeled in the sturgeon. And it was like seven feet long or some shit. Jeez. And he's got it by the tail, and it's right off the, the beach on the river. And and it's like he's got this, you know, he's holding it by the tail, and he's got this big smile on his face, and it's just like, if I caught something like that, 
I would probably just want to let it go, and I think he did too. He just let it go because I don't need to put that on my wall. Mm -hmm. But for some people, I get like they're so passionate about fishing, and then it's a father-son trip. And it's like I could see where maybe you'd take something like that, like with the you know that's the swordfish or a, uh, yeah, something like uh, that, that. I feel like that has more presence. That's like a once in a lifetime kind of catch, yeah, or maybe once in every ten years or yeah. something like that, like a, like a nice buck. Like you don't limit out twenty five a day of those. No, no, you see one, right? You know, all day long, yeah. and that's like maybe even the whole trip you're there. Yeah, you see, know that that would make that would make more sense at least. Yeah, I know I know people go sturgeon spearing or whatever it is but yeah i've never actually seen one i think i might have seen a picture actually and i know of what they are and mm -hmm. what, what happens they're them. they're like they're just so crazy looking man it's like when you think about fish this thing is like it's wild it's got body armor do people eat it i i think um i don't know about what people today i think the natives used to eat sturgeon a lot mm. you know back in like i've seen these pictures of these platforms that they would build over the river. Um, Native Americans would build these platforms out of like logs and shit, and it would sit right over the edge of the river, and they would, you could, they would sit, stand on top of it with spears during the spawning season, and they would just sit there and hurl spears, and then get all the dead sturgeon, and they would smoke them, I'm sure, hang them, smoke mm. them, make dried fish. Because, I mean... The, the protein and everything you're going to get out of it is amazing. Sure. You know, it's like, so if you're living, if that's your only sustenance, you're going to. You yeah, know, you're not going to be picky if it's gamey or not. Right. You're But around, you know, nowadays, it's, I don't think you're going to find sturgeon in a restaurant. I don't think. I've never seen sturgeon in a restaurant before. Yeah, there have I. So if you're listening. Let us if know. If you eat sturgeon, let us know. Uh, that one guy who took the one survey monkey that we put out there, if you're listening, hook us up, man, or lady. Let us know if you've ever eaten sturgeon or seen one in a restaurant. <laughs> That's the only person that ever gives a shit about what we say anyway. Thank you. Um, I, yeah, I've been putting, like, things in the, the, the notes of the podcast. Like, okay, folks, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, like, you see the title of the episode, and then yeah. below it are words. Do you think they even read, though? No, Who they reads? don't. No Who one reads? does. But there's typically a see more button and mm -hmm. then you can or see notes yeah. and you can see everything like the links i put in there and it takes too much energy do you like how many podcasts do you listen to i don't other like, than ours two or three do you ever read past the title yes you do <laughs> yes. only because only because you you write things past the title so you you know better i never read past the title i just like click play mm. yeah i don't it's like what am i gonna read for i'm here to listen bro it depends too i suppose like it, what the podcast is. Yeah. I'm emphasizing the fact that I explicitly said. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say, yeah, the podcast I listen to, if they're like, hey, all, all listeners write in, tell us what you think, probably then I would I would do that. But at least look at the notes. Yeah, I would probably look at the notes. Or if they said, hey, there's a survey below. It's free to do. It takes It's one question, anonymous. Just click the button and answer the question, yes or no. Uh, maybe. 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 I that's a I guess that's maybe surveys, a hard thing. Surveys kind of like, like you're asking for engagement at that point. Well, yeah, you're asking. Yeah, you're the beauty asking for of engagement. The beauty of the beauty, the beauty, the beauty of a podcast is you can just listen, right? Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, we're here to have conversations, and everyone I talk to, 
says, oh, yeah, I thought about what you were saying or I wish I could chime in, mm-hmm. but no one wants to actually chime in. Right. And so it's it's easy in a podcast to just have it on and mm-hmm. not be engaged necessarily. And so. Well, yeah, that's that. That's the that's the good thing about a podcast, and that's also the detriment of asking for things in a podcast like engagement. What's that? Um, what's that new platform where people do conversations like this, but they're live? Oh, uh, Clubhouse. Or Clubhouse. Something? Yeah. yeah, it's basically Clubhouse, right? Yeah, I'm not familiar with Clubhouse. You're supposed to get an invite if you want in or something. Yeah, you can only you're only get can get invited in, but basically, you can go through. From what I understand. You can go to the different places and see who's talking about what, mm. you know, and then you can click in and you can listen. And, and if you want, you can chime in. And uh, it, I wonder how many people go to Clubhouse just to listen, even though it's live. Yeah. You know, how many people go to just listen or um, one of the things I heard about Clubhouse is like the whole cancel culture with Clubhouse is really interesting because people will go on just to shit on people. You know, they go on and listen to somebody talk and then they'll just shit on them. Just because it's like somebody says something they don't like and they have a voice, you know, and it's like if, if they get um, and the moderator doesn't want to shut them off, they can just go off and they can say whatever they want to say. And it's 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 like a, a voice version of a keyboard warrior. Yeah. You know, because there's no there's no accountability. You know, are, but, is it like is is it like a giant Zoom call? Like can everyone see each other's no, faces? No, uh-uh, I think it's just audio. Oh, as far as I know, I think it's just audio. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't I don't know um, if the screen names like if you can pick your own avatar, or screen name, or whatever <clears> you want to <throat> do. You could be Joe Schmo, you know. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, you can just go in and you can chime in. And, and I there are, from what I understand, I don't know if moderator is the right word, but there's someone who who has basically control of the conversation. So if, if the, the person that comes in to talk, let's just say it's, I don't know, Tom Cruise is on there and he's there having a conversation and he wants to talk to people. They can like mute in and out people with questions. If someone wants to ask him a question or talk, they can control a little bit, but sometimes the moderators, if they don't give a shit and they just want to let it be a free for all, they can let anybody talk and then people will just take over the conversation. Oh, Sure. And so it's really moderator heavy. Sounds, sounds like it. Like it, it. Sounds like it. That's what I'm sure I'm fucking wrong. You know, there's so <laughs> many things. I mean, but it's from what I understand, it, I I may be close, but you know, it's, it's something like that. Yeah, it's um, you know, going back a little bit, something I was thinking about with the the what ifs. You know, we were talking about earlier, and um, there are certain cultures that that don't um those words don't exist in their vocabulary at all. So like the Vietnamese culture, the would, should, could, what if, what, you know, what, what would have happened, what could have happened, what should happen that doesn't even exist. Mm. And so it's only do or don't I I'm, I'm here or I'm not like I did that or I didn't do that. There's no, so this, I, I heard a podcast. I think it was a Ted talk. Um, this, this kid who came to school in the States and uh, um, he learned, he went to college, and his, his parents were from Vietnam. And uh, they saved their money, they sent him to college, he went to a good school, and he came back to visit them. And uh, he was um, talking to his dad about farming or something. And he says, well, he says, what if it rains tomorrow? And his dad looked at him like, what do you mean? I don't understand. He's like, well, it could rain tomorrow. 
He's like, but it's not raining right now. He's like, who cares? If it rains tomorrow, it rains tomorrow. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Hmm. You know? And one of his points in, in saying that was that his family, their minds are at ease all day, every day. Because it's just what's in front of them. Yeah, it's just the immediacy of life. Yeah, it's it's very simple. It's very clean. Well, it probably takes away a lot of people's anxiety. It does. That yeah, it it cleans up everything. You know, that it's I think that so much of the stress in our lives that we experience today as Americans and westernized civilizations is brought on by all of our ability to do the what if. You know, I or, or I should have done that or I could have mm, done that yeah. or you know, what would happen if this happened, you know? And we spend a lot of brain power thinking about shit that doesn't exist. Now granted, there's a part of that that's pretty fucking awesome that we can do that because if we couldn't, we wouldn't be sitting in here with all this electricity and and you know, like people are like, okay, well, what had happened if I put this and this together? Oh yeah, questions you know? have certainly led to innovations in yeah. our world. So you look at, you know, if you're a, a rice farmer in Vietnam and you're not thinking about what ifs, you're probably going to farm the same way your grandparents did and your grandparents before them did 150 years ago. But it's a very clean, easy, simple life. And I think a lot of times that's really what people want when they get to a retirement age. They don't want to have to think about the what ifs anymore. You know, it's like you want to get to a point where you wake up in the morning, do whatever the fuck you want. You don't have to stress about what's going to happen. Who's going to come out the door. Do I got to pay this guy? Do I have to fix this? Do I, all these things that you do all when you're younger. Like if I want to go visit my family, I'm not going to say, uh, I should have I should have bought my tickets last week because I would have saved twenty five dollars. You know, there's no woulda coulda should. It's like I'm just gonna buy my tickets now because I've worked hard. Yeah. I've got the money. I don't have to think about that anymore. So how much of that goal in life that we strive for that I know that I strive for is not having to stress and not having to have the anxiety about all the questions that come with the what ifs and I should have I could have all of that. Um. So it's just it's a definitely a different way of life, but I think it's it's there's something to really be taken from that, you know, yeah. the way we live. Yeah, I kind of like it. It's you know, I mean, again, I understand the I'll call it risk assessment of every of so many things, but the same token, like the, just the immediacy, like that that has to be freeing, as you mentioned. Yeah, I when we go on a camp out with the guys. I feel like that's the mode we get into. That's the part that one of the things I love about it is that the whole outside world shuts off and we don't have to think about shit. Yeah. I love it. I love. So just going out to the woods and shutting everything off. I think that's why people love camping, you know, is you get away and you shut off everything and you just go out in the woods. And and I mean, it could be the desert. I don't give a fuck. You could be camping in a, in a cabin somewhere. I don't know, wherever the fuck you want to go camping. doesn't even have to be camping, but just to be able to shut off everything and not have to worry about anything for a week. Like, even going on vacation, you know? We just got got back from vacation with my family, and it was so fucking awesome because when I woke up in the morning, if I decided I wanted to have hamburgers for lunch, 
I would just go get some hamburgers. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to think about all this craziness of worry about who's going to want what and what's going to happen and, and, and what if what if this doesn't work and what if it rains and what if all the what ifs, it was all gone. And it's like the weight off of my body was so fucking awesome. It just felt so pure to really immerse myself and enjoy the company of my kids, of my spouse, of my friends, and not think about anything else. And when we go on our camping trip, there's these, these young men that go with us, and we see it every time when they show up. They're still living in that other world, you know? And, and we're out. It's, so for you guys that are listening, we, uh, um, these young men we take on this once a, once a year camping trip is coming up in three weeks. Yeah, it is. Couple, soon. So fucking pumped about this, man. Month. A month. We month. got a month. We got a month. So um, we take them out to this cabin out in the woods um, on Kyle's uncle's property. And uh, no running water, no electricity, no cell service. We show up, and uh, all of us come piling in and pick up trucks, and we rot it back there, and we park the trucks, and we put all the phones in a box, and they go set on, on top of the fridge, wherever you put them. I don't even know where you put them. Oh, we started locking them in the car. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. We put them in a the car. Um, and when we first get there, the, these, these young men, they don't even know what to do with themselves. They're like, they're kind of bored, and they're just kind of walking around. It's like, uh, what am I supposed to do? Um, usually takes like about an hour, maybe hour and a half from to like realize there's nothing they have to fucking do. Mm -hmm. There's not a single thing in the world that they have to do or think about. There's no school. There's no, there's no parents. There's no like rules. There's no like anything they have to stress about. It's gone. And the first year we did it, the first time I saw two guys, 16 year old boys, Men, young men, they picked up a couple of sticks and had a sword fight with sticks. And it's like, holy shit, when's the last time you saw two 16-year-olds fighting swords with sticks? That's like something you see with little kids. Yeah. You know, but it's so pure. And it was fun. They were laughing and having a great time. And it was just so easy. You know, they, wouldn't, they weren't being judged. No one was going to, like, pick on them for having a sword fight with sticks. You know, it was – and they didn't have their phones. And I could just see that, like – any sort of worry just lift, you know? And and it's like, I don't know, man. There's just no better feeling than that. No, and I – so we used to only do one night. Um, we used to just do Friday night, and we'd come home on a Saturday. And uh, a couple of years ago, we extended it to yeah. do two nights, and I think that was a good move because for some of the guys, it takes a little longer. Yep. You know, that first night is like they're still a little on edge, and we put yeah. them through some – challenging situations <laughs> or some little tests and yeah. uh but then once they wake up and they realize oh we got a full day like i don't have to worry about going home and being on time today yeah and the the hard stuff's kind of over that's when i really feel like it really loosens up and you really see it and it's like oh yeah there's there's woods go go hang out yeah do what you want some kid tried to <laughs> They had free, you know, whatever they want to do. Someone was sitting, was fishing. There's a little pond. I don't even know if there's fish in this pond. And he got a stick and he tried to make himself a makeshift fishing pole. <laughs> and he was sitting on a tree branch over the pond trying to fish. 
I don't even remember that guy. Who was it? Gabe. Was it Gabe? Yeah. Really? Oh, that's awesome. He's like, I swear there's a fish in here. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, see? <laughs> have fun. I have so in uh in our in our guys group last week, one of the kids was like, Hey, he said, Can we fish? I'm like, Well, we don't have fishing poles or nothing. Can we bring fishing poles? I'm like, no, no fishing poles. We'll figure it out. And he's like, like, can we swim? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's leeches in there. This kid's like, can we catch leeches? <laughs> I'm like, ah, I don't care. I'm like, poke your finger, get a little blood in the water, yeah. get them coming around. It was. I, uh, I'm going to say no to the swimming because I don't know what's in there. No, I don't think. I said no. I said no but, to the swimming. Uh, I, I think there's a, like, we do have a level of responsibility. It's like, yeah, not right. to put them in, in danger, danger. You know, we're going to challenge them. So the whole premise of the weekend for, for you know, for everybody who's listening, all all three of you, um, is that we we invite these young men to shed off all the bullshit the world gives them for a weekend, and and we we invite them to unplug and and experience life beyond the the everyday, and in that we open up opportunities for them to dig a little deeper within themselves to kind of see what they're made of. Um, kind of challenge them mentally and physically to see um, whether they can be the one that rises to the occasion. One of my favorite parts of the process that we do, and this was from the very beginning, and I think it's been so successful, is um, we do a, a, a scavenger hunt. Mm-hmm. and it's But it's not like a, a daytime easy scavenger hunt. We started at midnight. So they've been up all day. They went to school all day on Friday. They get off of school. We go down there, we get them all hopped up, and they're, they drink Mountain Dew and stuff, and they've got a full belly, and they're feeling pretty good about themselves. We've just got a fire going, and we're sitting around the fire and listening to some music, and then around midnight, it's like, okay, now it begins. So they've had a pretty easy up to that point, and they've just been able to chill and relax and do whatever they want, but then we'd create the scavenger hunt, and we limit them to one map depending on how many how many young men are in a group we'll give them a couple of flashlights and uh and we send them off into the woods <laughs> and it's it, the the beauty of the space that we're in is there's we've got this cabin and it sits at the bottom of a bowl of a natural bowl and so basically as long as they don't go over the ridge and they come downhill they're going to come back to the cabin and there's always a fire burning so it's a it's a relatively safe activity they can fall down and get a couple scrapes or whatever. But for the most part, it's just in their mind, it's dark. And a lot of these young men have never spent any time in the woods by themselves in the dark before. And there's deer and there's. Yeah. I remember the one year they got freaked out. Like, <laughs> Something's chasing us. <laughs> yeah. There's a herd of deer. There must be 30 or 40 of them. They said, and there's like three, but they, well, you know, it's like when you're driving down the road and you see a pair of eyes yeah. off the side, if you're walking in the dark with a flashlight and you see a bunch of eyes in the woods, that's like something straight out of a horror movie, man. Yeah, that's some scary creepy. shit. It is. It's so it it invites them to see if they're that guy that's going to step up and be the protector. Are they the one that's going to be the guy that says, "Okay, everybody, it's all cool. Don't worry." Or are they going to run away? You know, or or you know, it's like who keeps their cool? Everybody kind of finds a place. You know, I think that's one of the hardest things for for young people right now is to figure out where they fit, right? There's so many different cliques and groups and genres and, and, and like, 
where does everybody fit in this world? And I think maybe even adults too, not maybe. It's like it's always so fucking hard to figure out where do I fit? What's my purpose? And in this moment, when you break away, you tear away all the shit, all the, all the trappings of life, and it breaks it down to we've got to get from point A to point B, complete a task and make it back, and we got to do it together. Then you figure out real quick where you fit. Are you a support role? Are you the guy that carries the, the big log or something because you got to move it to get to this point? Are you the guy that's a leader that stays cool and calm when people are freaking out? Are, where do you fit? Who are, who are you in that moment? And it in, invites them to figure that out about themselves. And I know for me, when I see them come back, especially after the last leg and they're fucking tired and some of them are pissed <laughs> off and they're sweating and sometimes it's raining and, and they, they, they finish and they're done and they sit around the fire and they got some cool stories to tell. That's the best. Yeah. Cause at that moment it all washes away everything. I know. And you're getting excited about it. I know you are. I'm so pumped, we've hit that. We've had it on the trip a couple of times. I know on this podcast, but it's getting real for us it's coming yeah. up in a month and ike and i are gonna we got to start the planning process a little bit and get the details figured out so it's definitely on the back of our, or on the top forefront of our minds because well our, it's it's a big deal for us and it's a big it's a big step our whole our whole group last last week when you were you were gone yeah. this last monday it's all we talked about I came in with a plan that we were going to talk about some specific things. We're going to, I was going to talk about job interviews and what it feels like to go through that and the kind of questions you're going to ask. And I had this whole plan lined out for these guys. And all of a sudden, we just start riffing on the camp out. And that's all they want to talk about was like, what's going to happen? Who's going to be there? What are we going to do? What are we going to eat? What's it look like? What's it feel like? Every question you could answer. And then I could see their energy. Yeah. They're getting pumped about so it's it. Gonna, it's, yeah, it's just going to build. That's pretty fun. It is. That's 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 the that the building of it too is pretty awesome too. Because you want to get them out there. Yeah, and it's been. Ugh, I hope uh, we're going a little earlier this year, a week earlier, right? Yep. And so I hope morales are still out. Actually, we usually hit the tail end of it. And I think they're early this year, aren't they? I think they're early this year too. Well, they they said they were going to be early back when we had those days in the seventies. But now that the temperatures are getting to freezing again at night, yeah, I don't my know. windows are frosted this morning. Yeah, mine too. So I think I think we're gonna hit the window pretty good. So that's the other little that's a real secret. I can I like secret. To do. Yeah. So there's a there's a point in the day on Saturday when we'll you know the young men have a task or they get some free time and we take the free time and go morale hunting. Yep. And last year we hit the mother load. No, that wasn't last year. It wasn't that last was two year. years ago? Was it two? Last years? year we were late. Oh yeah, that's last right. year we, we got mixed up because COVID. Yeah. Yeah, that's and what we, happened. We were we had we had to we're, put everything on hold, yeah. and then we got pushed late. But two years ago, dude, we hit a shit ton of. We had so many morales. It was ridiculous. Bags of them. Yeah, bags of morales. It was so good. My wife was so happy. I brought some home. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, it was when Timmy was there, right? Yep. Yeah, Tim stopped by. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, um, it's a beautiful thing, everybody. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Just yeah, and I know we talk about it, but deal with it because it's. If you if you couldn't tell, it's a big deal for us, and um, it's a big deal for these young men we get to deal with, or not deal with, we get to work with, and um, sometimes we deal with them. <laughs> sometimes we deal with them, but so it's it's a it's a big thing, and we put a lot of energy into it and a lot of focus, and uh, and so yeah, naturally it's gonna it's gonna be important to us. So 
Well, and it's, it's like that opportunity, man. It's, 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 it's for me, I think for us, it's, it's also that opportunity to unplug. It's also oh, that opportunity, you know, that's a big piece of it well, too. Is, it's a weird balance point. Like I unplug, but I get so little sleep that weekend oh, that man. I also feel like I need to take the next Monday off and just chill. It's like every good vacation. You, you know, need, you need the day after the vacation. Yeah, you need a vacation from your vacation yeah. just to re- recover. Yeah. Oh, I speak. Uh, so <laughs> it's like work stuff. I get the least amount of sleep ever with work stuff. We took uh, 40 teens to Washington, D.C. through this grant we got. I wanted to go on that trip. Yeah, that was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So my and we this was teens from Baraboo, Reedsburg and uh, Toma. So my genius idea. Oh, and our charter bus so it was all by bus sorry i'm moving around getting you're good fixed my ch- our charter bus was picking us up in reedsburg at like 3 30 a.m and we were ske- it was going to be there at 3 30 a.m and we were scheduled to depart at 4 a.m or maybe it was getting there at 4 a.m we were scheduled to leave at 4 30 but it was super early so my grand idea was trying to be nice towards our toma teens and families and as well as our baraboo ones i'm like hey we have the Reedsburg Club. It's our own facility. It's not like we rent it. Let's do a lock-in. You can all be here the night before. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then we'll just go, and you'll already be here. And then if you don't want to, if your parents want to drive you in the morning, they can certainly do that. But understand and tell me you got to drive an hour to Reedsburg. That was just <laughs> dumb, dude. I think I know where this is going. So not only I worked a full day, right? Yep. So I'm up at... You know, 7 a.m., worked the whole, full day. Then I had to stay up all night. With the lock-in. With the lock-in. And I had only, I had one other chaperone with me, God bless him, Mark. And uh, <laughs> so we did this lock-in. And then the bus ride. So then I had to make sure, and I was trying to help, you know, facilitate everyone getting yeah. on the bus and they have everything. And then all these guys just crashed on the bus and I couldn't sleep Fuck on the bus. Fuck, that sucks. So I was up for like, 40 something hours until we got into dc and we pulled into dc at like 10 p.m local time and uh well that's good at least at least you were going straight to the hotel right yeah and so we went to the straight to the hotel we got everyone situated i finally got to bed at like i don't know 11 30 midnight and then everyone had to be downstairs at 6 a.m Holy for breakfast shit. because our days were so packed we had to be out of the hotel by 6 45 and the bus had to leave the parking lot by seven to get on our day. So I'm like, okay, it's midnight, a little after. I'll be up at five. It's fine. And then, you know, first night in a hotel, even though you're dog tired, you sleep like shit. Anyways, yeah. the whole the whole trip was this just limited sleep. And it all started with this stupid lock-in that I know I sh- it was the right thing to do, but I was just exhausted. Well, you yeah. So it's like all these things we do for these teens – just because I don't need sleep. <laughs> we recognize that it's important though, you know, and, and the, I think, I think sometimes like looking at that situation, I think it happens in, in situations when you're going to say you're taking a trip to DC In in my mind, I understand you want to get in as much as you possibly can because you're only oh, going to yeah. be there for a limited time. Right. And, um, like my son Connor went on the French trip and it's like fucking jam packed all day long. Bam, bam, bam up early, get home for dinner. You're up kind of late cause you're hanging out with your friends in your hotel room in fucking France. 
I mean, how amazing is that? Right. So I think that so much gets emphasis gets put on those trips, even as adults when they take those bus tours and shit. There are all these little excursions, but you're booked all fucking day. And maybe you get an hour at lunch and an hour in the afternoon. But other than that, you're booked. We have this thing. What if? We should do this. We should do that. Well, we don't want to miss anything. But what we miss is what's right fucking in front of us. Yeah. You know? That's why I would never, I would never willingly, I don't think anyway, choose to go on one of those tours unless there were optional excursions. Because... One of the things I love about going on a trip someplace new is just fucking sitting down and observing. Sure. You know, I'm in a whole different city or culture or society, and I just want to sit down and observe what it's like to be there. I want to take in the sounds and the smells. And and if I'm always rushing from A to B, if I'm up early and stay up late and don't get as much sleep, I'm in a hotel, shitty hotel bed, I don't sleep well anyway, then I'm missing out. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't absorb all of it. it. And it's like, I I would bet, like, if you ask the kids, they would feel the exact same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have, like, if we if we do it again, mm-hmm. um, I think definitely less intense. I understand why. So this is all set up through a separate organization. Right. You know, we just get the ability to basically tag along for what they set up for us. Um, but we had some input. Like, and I get it. It was my first time in DC, too. It's the first time for every one of our kids to DC, it might be the last time for many of the kids that they ever went to DC. And so it's like you, you would be doing a disservice if you went that far to not get as much exposure as possible, but after reflect, and that was the mentality going in. Mm -hmm. Right. And after reflecting on it to your point, I think, yeah, like expose and show the main things that, are important when you go to DC, right? Some of the, the landmarks and, and monuments. Um, but just chill. Yeah. Yeah. That's like just less intense, less intense because, and that's okay. Well, and, the, and I feel like in a less intense situation, it gives a person an opportunity to actually absorb yeah. more of what you're doing. But if I felt like I was getting fucking rushed, like, okay, here we are at the Washington monument Da, 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 18 whatever this is who was here da, 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 da. okay guys let's get in the bus it's like whoa you know i feel like i've only been here for 15 minutes even right. if i was there for an hour and a half right you got the tour but you got the tour and you're with your friends and poking in the ribs and you're laughing and and everything's going on it's like how much are they really absorbing in that you know a b c d we hit six stops today and now we're eating dinner and they're exhausted mm-hmm. it's like if you turn the six stops into four stops, gave them a little bit more time to walk around the square, walk around the Washington Monument, maybe they could read some shit on their own. Yep. You know, there's plaques and yep. there's things everywhere for them. Because not everybody's going to be interested in the same aspects of the trip, you know. So it's like some kids are going to be really in awe of the architecture. Some kids are going to be really in awe of the fact that they're in this really foreign space that the president lives right down the street. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so many different levels of like um, digestibility that these kids are going to take in. And um, so, yeah, to your point, give them some opportunity to chill a little bit and really absorb just like to be able to sit down and go, holy fuck, I'm in Washington, D.C. This is amazing. But do they even get to have that thought 
because right. so much is it's happening just so quick and so boom 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 we to put it in perspective we were actually in dc for three and a half days and i came home and my at my dad's old job he'd often have to go to dc um because his work has some federal contract okay and so he would go to, for dc for work trips and like in the evenings he could go explore and he goes oh what'd you all do and i literally listed it and goes i haven't seen 80 percent of those and i've been to dc 15 times mm-hmm. like yeah we packed a lot of shit in this yeah and it was it, again it was great yeah and you look at the pictures and the kids did have a blast but it could have been more impactful if you just lessen that a little bit and it's a good learning experience you know as, us as an organization that that was a big thing fuck yeah we've never done something like that before and so to to get 40 teens put them all in a big you know coach bus and drive mm-hmm. and go to such a far away place for us i mean yeah. far away right oh, but did that's a long haul man on yeah. a, on, that's far away on a fucking bus you're not hopping on a plane right you know i mean that's like it's fucking far and to, to sit on a bus for that long you know yeah. buses are more comfortable in cars supposedly you know but it's still it's like that's a long haul yeah you know so. But it was good. And my got to chaperone a group of dudes that were in league already anyways. Mm-hmm. So we had a great time. And then um, when I think about that and I, th- it kind of, you said that it was set up by somebody else. Yeah. The people that set it up, were they on the trip? No. Uh, I mean, they, yeah, they had a, like a two, like the tour guide, the yeah. tour guide was, on- so it was a company. It was like a tour company. And right, but I mean, who picked? Did the tour company give options to somebody? Yeah. And the person who picked the options that this is what we're going to do? Yeah, she was on the trip. She as was well. on the trip yeah, as well. She was one of the chaperones. So, I think there's always this, like when you're just looking at paper, and you're looking at all the cool things. I think it's really easy to go overboard. Oh yeah, and it was easy to, um, like knowing the the gal who set it up. Um, like, she's a. Uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for. It's it's in her mindset to optimize everything. Right. So when when you look at a schedule and what blocks can fit where, mm-hmm. and I mean, her mind is to optimize every minute. And so she's looking at, okay, what monument is next to this monument so that we can just swing over and instead of a 15-minute bus ride to the next place, it's a five-minute one. Mm-hmm. And so we can pack in another monument if we switch the schedule around this way. So she's an optimizer in, in that sense. And so, like the efficiency mm-hmm. of of the trip, it was super efficient. Yeah, because you know she set up the schedule that way. Um, but it was just based because it was so efficient. It was just boom, 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 boom. Had she ever taken a trip like this before? Was this her I first? I think so. Okay. I what I liken it to <clears throat> is like um, when you look at a like say you got a corporation and you got. Um, managers and supervisors and people that don't work on the floor of say a manufacturing company and they're like okay so these are the things we need to do to optimize our production yeah these are the things we need to do to we can cut out 10 minutes in this process here if we move this machine you know 20 feet closer to this machine and there's all these ideas that make sense theoretically yep they make sense on paper they make sense in a spreadsheet but when you put them on the ground when you're when you're actually in it 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 like makes zero fucking sense because it changes everything yeah 
And I think that when, um, when we, even, even, even as I, I used to do this, when we would go on vacations, like how many cool things can we do? How many cool things can we see? And then once you go a few times and you're in the middle of it and you're trying to do all these things, you realize what happens is like people get a little more cranky. They get a little more on edge because they didn't get enough sleep and they're getting pushed from A to B. And there's one thing they thought was really fucking cool. And you're like, Mm-mm, we got to go because we got to catch this tram to this next place. If we don't, we won't catch the tram. And and so it's not being in your in, in my body, not being when I was doing that, not being present you know, and so I learned from being on the floor, being on the ground, experiencing all of that with my family that over time I realized for me on, on vacations anyway, when you're going someplace and you schedule the shit out of it, it's really hard to actually relax. It's really hard to actually soak things in on a deeper level because you're on, you know, your volumes up to like seven or eight the whole time, you know, whereas you know, like on the trip you're talking about, if these kids had been able to like sit down on a bench and hang for a half an hour in a place where they weren't getting the tour spiel mm-hmm. and they weren't getting this is what you should see and this is where this is from and they were just able to just look and walk around a little bit even, they would get a whole different perspective. Yeah. And then they would allow them to chill a little bit and absorb before they went to the next stage. Yeah, like when you... When I look back on that trip, uh, there's a couple of, like, there was some built-in times. Like, we went to see the Holocaust Museum. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like, you go to this place, go to this place, go to this place. It was like, you have three hours. We will meet back here in three hours. And Mm -hmm. so I felt like that was a lot more impactful. Yeah. You could just walk the museum. You could take your time. If something hit your interest, you could focus on it. Um, And we did some fun things, too. They did, like, a, I don't know. I don't, it was a big thing. It was, um, you went to this place and all the walls were painted white and you got, everyone got to paint the walls and do a mural group mural inside this building. And then once you leave, they just repaint it white and the next group comes in. (laughs) Okay. But so we got to do, and it was just like chill and that was kind of the chill stuff. And we took Mm -hmm. like a boat tour type thing. So those, there's, there's some chill stuff there. Um, I will say, and I don't think she listens. Um, (laughs) but, uh, like to come in and tell you how to do things like my boss used to try and do that. Okay. Like we are on a lot different page now, uh-huh. but it used to be when I first started like, Oh, you should, I saw this. It should be this way and this way and this way. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. And, our, and like mm-hmm. a board would do that too. A board oh, yeah. member, like unless you're, unless you've been exposed to it, like what we do is pretty dynamic in the sense of there's a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. And so I can explain to you why we do something, right? but you can't just come in and tell me things should be this way because you're not understanding the full picture on why it can't be that way. Right. Like in an optimized world, yes, but it doesn't work for these 12 reasons. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So I think that happens all the time in like a profession. I think so too. And I think that there's a level of expectation from like uh, business leaders that, that that's, that's, uh, that's her job. Yeah. She's, she's her, her job is to make sure everything is running optimally and we can we can do this and this and this and tweak things to make it look better. So her mind is always lo- working that way. And I think to the detriment of it is that maybe maybe the leaders aren't like okay, maybe in addition to that, so we can be really good at that. You should spend one day at the clubs. Yeah, maybe three hours per club or whatever, 
to sit down and see what it feels like in the club and see how it operates to say, okay, that really won't work because they've got this program and this program and they butt up, but kids come at different times and this kid's got to leave. And, yep. you know, so there's, there's just, there's a lot of moving parts unless you know, those moving parts are, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can make an optimization yeah. suggestion, but it, it, it might not work. My wife comes home all the time and I feel like her boss does this all the time. Like, throws out a suggestion and she's like my wife is gets frustrated she goes that is no (laughs) that is no (laughs) that i understand why you're saying that Mm -hmm. but you realize by doing that then this 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 and this is going to happen just by chain reaction right which is then going to in turn reverse your whole point and trying to do like it just doesn't work well i think that's one of the things that plagues businesses a lot in organizations is everybody's got new ideas and yeah. they have meetings all the time about new ideas, how to make it more efficient, how to make more, 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 more. And, and all of the fuckery that comes with making it more makes it less. It's like, why are we not succeeding? Why are we not growing 12% this year? And it's because we spend so much fucking time tweaking things that actually work. We tweak them so much that we make them less efficient or we just sit and, and stir in our yeah. own mire. You know, um, it's uh, we talked about cars a while ago. Toyota cars. This is kind of a tangent, but it's not. Bear with me here. Toyota cars are known to be one of the most reliable cars on the fucking road. Mm-hmm. You know, shit doesn't break on them. And my my wife Stephanie, she drives a Forerunner, right? The body style and the look of a Forerunner from 2011, I think, till 2020, never fucking changed. No, not once. So. Instead of in their factories retooling every fucking year for a new body style and a new this and a new that that they have to perfect every fucking year for the new model, they're taking that old platform that's strong, reliable, light. Maybe they might use a little different kind of metal, but it looks the same. And then they work on the components. Like, we're going to make a, a, a more efficient engine. We're going to make a better alternator. We're going to make a better this. But it doesn't look the same. They're just working on the mechanicals of it. Right. So the people that are doing the work, the people that are installing the panels, they don't have to change what they're doing. It's the same fucking job day in and day out for 10 years. So no wonder they have an amazingly reliable car because they've honed every component down to perfection. Where would take GM and Ford and, and Dodge and these American companies every single year, they've got to come out with a truck. Yeah. They got to refresh their truck. They got to. Yeah. yeah. And, and so then every year it's like, Oh, well this year the truck fucking sucks. Yeah. You know, this year's truck, the four wheel drive sucks. The anti-traction control sucks. The, the sound system sucks, whatever. There's always something that they got bugs and then they got recalls and then they got all these things that go into, you know, it's, it's maddening. But but it's because we have to be different. We have every single well, year yeah. we have to I offer mean, a new model. It's it's maddening on a on a consumer level of you want reliability, but it's almost necessary because on a business model, if they if the F one fifty doesn't change every two years, then it's outdated and it no longer is the best selling truck. Look at the F one fifty though. If you look at it I in my mind, and I could be totally fucking wrong about this, but when I see Ford trucks um, over the years, I feel like the Ford trucks have um, changed the least in body style, like as all these different like uh, alterations. 
than the other trucks have. The Dodges haven't changed a shit ton either. Maybe like, body style has they okay. But even beyond body style, look at like there's always that there's always a change in the infotainment, the electronics, sure. in the interior layout, in and maybe the style changed, but they went to all aluminum. And and there's always something that they're trying to change to keep it new. Mm-hmm. Even if the generation of like the looks stays relatively the same because that's their like look, mm-hmm. they're always changing something because they're always chasing this new freshness versus saying this works. We're going to make it work and we're just going to improve it over the next 10 years. Right. Because they can't do, that's not the model they can have because it, once they get to year four, they're, they're behind. Well, our, so if you think about it now, I think what I see is the biggest changes that are happening in all of automotive is the technology. It's really not the shell. Yeah, right. I agree. I agree. Like when you when you look at the shell, it's a frame. You can make it a little bit lighter. You can make the panels a little more safe. Airbags, shit like that. But the technology and what makes the vehicles optimized, I think, is where all the changes are going to come. Right. So if you had that same frame, that same shell, and you just updated the technology, I mean, look at what Tesla does. Tesla is a perfect model because they don't have, they like if they want a new car, they just as a software update. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to get a new feature sure. in their car. It's a software update. You just fucking go take it to the Tesla dealer. They, you buy the new software update. Now you can, now your car can do this shit. You know, it's. Well, I think I don't own a Tesla, but I think they do over the air updates. So you might just pull into your, you might just, you know, walk into your garage. Like a Wi-Fi update? Yeah. Turn on your Tesla and it has new features or it's the, the motors are, uh, more optimized. More optimized. Yeah. And so now it's 0.1 second faster. Or yeah. it has five more horsepower. Like, that's a crazy thing about a Tesla. I know. It's man. a fucking crazy car. I think this is okay. Let's sidetrack. I think Tesla is clearly uh, forging a future because I think electric vehicles are going to become the thing. Yeah, I agree. But I think Tesla needs to, and I don't drive a Tesla, so I can't speak to this only from what I've read and watched on like YouTube videos. I think if Tesla had a better quality like shell at this point, like everyone talks about body panel gap and just like craftsman quality okay. on the Tesla, like that's the Tesla's downfall. Oh, because they're like, like, uh, um, like almost artisanship, like everything is perfect. No, like it, like the panel gaps are uneven and so that part isn't perfect that's what i mean yeah like the lines aren't perfect everything yeah right and so the oh this hood doesn't close perfectly this way and so Mm -hmm. so what tesla focused on was the electronics and that futurability Mm -hmm. of not having to change things regularly but now they need to hone in on the actual shell portion where everyone else yeah i don't know maybe i'm just confusing myself as i talk no no because that's how shit works i i know what you mean um i haven't i haven't personally heard that but it makes sense uh, I I only know personally know one person's got a Tesla, and I sat and I haven't even like Stephanie drove it actually when we were in uh, San Diego, but when I see a Tesla, like I don't see those gaps. I don't see those just lines. driving right. Like when you're seated on the road, I'm like fuck, it's a Tesla. Okay, but when you sat in it, did it feel cheapened? No, like plasticky. Mm-mm. 
It didn't. No, that's good. It it felt um, futuristic. That's what it felt <laughs> like. It did. Like looking at the dash, the way the dash is laid out, it felt futuristic. It was like you're sitting in the, in these seats and yeah, that's layout. But I mean, like material wise, uh, the, but like, even material wise, like the feeling of the seat on your body doesn't feel like a cushy. Like it doesn't feel like this Americanized cushy Ford seat, or or you know, it feels more streamlined, more light, more, uh, uh yeah, more futuristic. Is what it, I guess right. that's uh, like when I see a, a picture of of like a, a spaceship in a movie like you know it's like the seats are futuristic looking everything is really clean lines everything is like but it didn't feel plasticky like so i think i know what you mean it's like when you like when you sit in a you know those those hyundais that they try to make look like a luxury car but they're made of shit when i sit down in those everything feels plasticky it looks like it's supposed to be ritzy but it's it's super cheap it's super cheap knobs and shit is that what you mean like it feels like plasticky like that I don't know. I've never sat in one. Again, this is just based on reviews. So here's here's the challenge of you three listeners plus a few. Well, you guys are getting challenged a lot today. Yeah, I know. We're challenging folks. <laughs> but you listen. You, so, you guys listen. Hey, see what you guys hey, if you into. own a Tesla or if you have ac- access to a Tesla, hook us up. I just want to sit in it, man. I don't even need to drive it. You can drive me around, but I want to see it. I want to drive it. I want to see it. I want to ride in it. Mm-hmm. And I just want to not be at a dealership but experience it yeah yeah well where's the fucking closest tesla dealership i have no fucking clue <laughs> like, like i, I would imagine is there one madison? in madison i don't know i man, i would I, imagine it's madison or definitely chicago maybe fox valley area well how far is the fox valley area? like green bay yeah how many hours is that like an hour 45 two, two hours, hours. yeah two hours yeah, i guess yeah chicago lens three so so it's, it's I don't know. we got a tesla dealer within three hours of us you know, but it's like I I have never seen one in Madison. I haven't even heard of one in Madison. I but, see one driving around Baraboo. It's white. Yeah, there's. So here's the thing about Teslas. To your point of what they could work on, I didn't know this, but it makes total fucking sense. What happens to your phone battery when you get out in the fucking cold? Goes to shit, right? Yeah. Electric car batteries do the same thing. So in in Wisconsin in the winter when it's fucking zero, you can't go very far in your Tesla car. The battery think, doesn't last. I think they're working on it. Well, they have to. I if think they, if they I think there's make, this weird like self-warming blanket thing they do. Well, if it's it shouldn't be that hard. It's like a fucking uh, diesel truck. You plug it in at night. You know. Yeah. At a at a at, it wouldn't be a block heater. It'd be a battery heater or whatever it is. But something that heats yeah. But that's it. plugged in. Like the biggest struggle is okay if I drive a Tesla to work and it's negative fifteen out. And it sits for eight hours while it's negative fifteen. You got to find a place to plug it in. Can I get home? Yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, obviously, like I mean, not obviously, but if you drive a Tesla, like my friend Peter's got a Tesla out in out in L.A. Everywhere he goes, he plugs it in. Doesn't matter if it's in a one ten outlet or if it's a supercharger. Everywhere he goes, he plugs it in because that's your fuel, right? Right. And and if it's like if it's at somebody's house, you're hanging out, you plug it into a one ten. He might only get a three four percent charge over a period of a couple hours. But it's it's a free charge. Hey, you're not you're not paying for that. Well, someone's paying for it, right? But it's like it's a one ten, so you're not paying a lot for it. Um, but uh, you're always charging, right? So if you if you live in Wisconsin, you take it to work. Hopefully, somewhere at work, there's a charger there and just a giant fucking extension cable yeah. running out of a window. <laughs> What's well, getting more common now? You see it a lot more, I think, especially in the Madison area, where I think you're going to see more Tesla. Yeah, I don't go to Madison often. Like I said, I, I know there's one cruising around here that I've seen. 
I think it's white. Maybe it's black. I don't remember. There's 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 actually there's a blue one I've seen driving around town. It's funny. Like when I see a Tesla, it's like, oh, it's a Tesla in Wisconsin. It's rare, right? Yeah. When we were in San Diego, we saw hundreds and hundreds of Teslas there everywhere. Yeah, before I knew it was a Tesla, every time I looked at it, because that T kind of looks like a Bentley logo. A little bit, yeah. I'm like, I know what, you mean. what the hell is that? Yeah. And then you see it, and you're like, oh, it's a Tesla. Yeah. Um, there's there's somebody who's coming up with this uh, idea, company idea. I don't know if they've launched or not yet. But, um, you know, you're driving a Tesla, you got to go... 200 miles you don't want to go down the fucking zero and die on the middle of the road mm-hmm. go to 200 miles and it'll tell you how close all the charging stations are while you're driving so you got to go and you charge for two or three hours and then you go get on the road again or whatever however long they charge for it sometimes i think with the superchargers it doesn't take that long but sometimes it yeah, takes I don't know longer shit, I don't know. there's a company that will do a battery swap so you can take the whole fucking battery out of the car and put a brand new fully charged battery in, and you can do it in like 90 seconds it's like you pull it up, open. I don't even know where the battery is in a Tesla, so I can fucking tell you, but I think it's in the back. You open it up, you pull the battery out. I think it's on the floorboard, on the floor. Is it the floor? I think. So maybe it's not for Teslas. Maybe for if it's for a different model electric vehicle. But um, you can just do a full-on battery swap. It takes you, you know, probably total 15 minutes. They say that yeah. happens in 90 seconds. I can't see that. But say it's 15 minutes. That's like a gas station stop. You go in to the battery swap place, you go pee, get some munchies, come back out. They got a brand new battery in your car and you got another 300 miles to go. That's genius. Now the cost of that company to create a battery swap station where you got 20 fully charged battery banks, that's got to cost so much money to, to set that up. But once you're in, it's all about convenience, right? That is, that is. Yeah. You know, so, but what happens if they give you, so like what if the battery is shitty like what if it doesn't hold a charge and now you have a shitty battery and there's not another swap around and now you're stuck in a, in your car with a shitty battery like i think of well, sure that, that's like the equivalent would be um uh like a propane swap for your grill yeah i used to i used to own my propane tank and i would just get it filled yeah instead of exchanging the tank i've stopped doing that since but that's propane and that's a lot smaller scale yeah but the thought was like all the propane tanks that are in that exchange are all rusted out and they look like they've been beaten to hell. And mm-hmm. I don't, you know, this one is great condition. It's not rusty or anything. You don't fucking see a propane tank. It sits under your grill. Well, I got a cheap grill, bro. It's, it's exposed. <laughs> I don't have a cabinet. Okay. Yeah. So, so to your point, the quality of the battery that's going in the car, like that, what if you that, get a shitty battery, that's the biggest detriment to that model. Right. So if you, there's got to be a lifespan on batteries. So I imagine after so many years of using a specific kind of battery, it's going to reduce in in life. So there's got to be a guarantee that comes with the swap that you're going to get so many miles out of this battery. Right. Yeah. So I would think it's, it's like a service that you sign up for. Yeah. I think if you commit to it, then it makes sense. Like if it's a thing that you can commit to like a propane tank swap, like if you can commit to like, yeah, I'm just going to keep swapping the batteries in and out. Yep. It makes sense. But if it's like a, I'm in a pinch and I'm going to do it, and then you have something that's inferior oh, sure. or not yeah. like OEM, yeah, and and then you're like stuck with this shitty fucking battery. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fucking bugs. Yeah. You know, even the even like what's it like? Aren't aren't batteries like they can melt down, right? They can have serious. Yeah, fucking, I, I if you got like 20 can... fucking batteries stored in a in a in a shed or whatever in a building, 
and there's some kind of catastrophic thing that happens, would it be a massive time bomb waiting to go? Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? I don't, I don't know the technology, so I'm sure there's a lot of bugs. But if you could sign up for a service and you own a Tesla and you're like, the 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 beauty of it is that you don't have to wait for shit and yeah, nobody right, wants to right. wait for I anything anymore so i could see people being fuck yeah i'll, I'll spend an extra you know two hundred dollars a month because i travel a lot for work and i and i'm guaranteed a fresh battery every yeah. time i stop yeah i gotta take a leak yeah that's fine we'll take a quick break and we will uh come right back well hey everyone we're back oh yeah 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 good stuff good stuff um Oh, now we're back. Doors now we're closed. back. The doors closed. Sorry. Studio doors closed. Studio door. Um. Yet, yeah, uh, uh, I know when my kids are little, I always just told them, like, just make sure you drink lots of water. Yeah, you know, I do that right now. You, you, you got a tummy ache? Oh, well, maybe you need to drink water. You got a headache? Oh, maybe you, have you been drinking enough water? <laughs> it's like this weird thing. It's a. Uh, it's in our culture for sure. It's always yeah. about making sure you're well hydrated. Everybody's got to be hydrated. Yeah, I push. I push my oldest to drink water all the time. And he's horrible at it, and it annoys me. So what? To what detriment is he horrible at? It? I mean, like, he just he forgets to drink water, and <laughs> I don't know. He, I feel like he's got to get dehydrated. Well, the, how do you know he's dehydrated? I don't know. I'm just saying he needs to drink. <laughs> that's water. what I'm saying. It's it, that's the thing. It's like we need to drink more water. We always drink. The only time in my life when I can say, "Man, I really need to drink more water," is if I'm working really hard outside mm-hmm. sweating a lot that's when i know i gotta hydrate big time or i'm at the gym you need to hydrate but just day-to-day shit i don't like how much water do we really need i mean what's I the science know. behind it like is it just this old wives tale that we like we have to okay begin? but look at it this way there's not anything negative gonna come if i make my kid take a drink of water once right in a while. well that's that's the perfect example what, what's it gonna hurt you know, like this isn't the water challenge where he's going <laughs> to, you know, kill himself on accident by drinking too much water. No, I know. I know it's not. And I'm not saying it's bad. Did you hear me out? I'm not, I'm not saying you're like some asshole making your kid drink Stop water. Stop making your kid wa- drink water. I just think it's funny that we've got this idea that we always have to be drinking water all the time. And, and how much of that is based on science and how much of that is based on it's what we're supposed to do because water keeps us alive. Yeah. But like. We can go a long fucking time without water. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like how much water is it? It's obviously, it's better for your skin, you know, and it's like it's probably way healthier for us to be properly hydrated, but what levels of hydration is proper hydration? And, like, goes back to are you thirsty? Drink water. Yeah. Do or do not. It's yeah, like, that's true. What if what if he gets hydra- dehydrated? Well, if he gets dehydrated, maybe he'll be thirsty and he'll drink some fucking water. Yeah, I also I I also push the water thing because he loves chocolate milk, and he I he doesn't need to drink three glasses of chocolate milk a day. Yeah, he can drink one and drink water. And my niece, who's five, drinks Gatorade all the time. Oh, okay. And I'm like, no, you can't drink Gatorade. You don't need sugar. You need water. So it's it's interesting, and I I. Uh, to preface this, I 100% agree with you, and I feel the exact same way. I feel the exact same way. Um, like Gavin, God bless him, if we get a gallon of orange juice, he'll fucking clean that out in two days. Every time he comes downstairs, he pours a glass of orange juice, and he just cleans it out. And it's like, what the fuck? Why not have some orange juice, and then if you're thirsty, have some water? And not that he doesn't drink water. He drinks plenty of water. 
But is that a is that a measure of is that a metric of finances too? Where it's like you got to buy Gatorade all the time. Yeah, you got to sure. you got to buy these soft drinks and stuff all the time, as opposed to water's right at the tap. And we're blessed enough as a as a civilization where we live that we can drink the shit that comes out of our tap. Mm-hmm. You know, so why not? This is all you really need if you're thirsty. This will quench your thirst. So fucking drink it instead of spending. 20 bucks on a case of Gatorade every week or whatever so they can have something that's red and sippy that they can drink on all day long. To your point, the sugar is bad. It's going to be bad for their teeth. We, I went on a, a, a school trip, a geology school trip with one of my kids for um, class, and we went to Rock Springs, and we got some Rock Springs spring water, mm-hmm. right? It's supposed to be some of the best fucking water you can drink is that Rock Springs natural spring water. It comes from way deep in the earth, and it's just fucking awesome, right? Most of the kids were like, it's just water. Like, it's gross. So they brought these Gatorade, liquid Gatorade squeeze thingies. Oh, to flavor it? To flavor the water, or these little tear-off pouches to flavor the water. And it's like, it drove me nuts. Yeah. It's like, why does everything have to be so fucking flavored? It's like, but we've 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 made it that way. The way we live, everything's got to be like a punch in the face, or it's not valuable enough. It's not. Uh, it doesn't satiate our appetite for more. Well, you say we're lucky enough that we can drink the shit that comes out of our tap, and I disagree because you're. I I am so blessed to be on well water because I could not drink city water. That fucking chlorinate chlorinated stuff in the city. Ugh. Yeah, you know, you, I don't even taste it. No? Honestly, I don't taste it. Um, this right here, and this, I got a big blue Nalgene water bottle right now. I'm sitting in front of me, ladies and gents, and it's full of chlorinated, fluoridated, all kinds of chemicalized mm. city water that gets goes through our, I don't know, probably our, what is that, that treatment plant that goes? Yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, yes, we're lucky that you, we can drink the water out our tap. It's, but first world problem, I, I grew up on well water. Mm-hmm. I'm on well water now. And I just can't do dip- it. So, so here's the thing: you get you're on well water now, but you're next to a, a fucking horse farm. True, you know. And how much of their shit and piss and everything else that goes into the ground gets filtered down into that aquifer and it goes into your water? Yeah, you know, valid. That's nowadays with the kind of farming practices we have. Like when I was a kid, I remember I used to drink water right out of the stream out in Idaho. Mm-hmm. You can't do that here. Because how many how many farms are upstream where the cows are shitting and pissing and and the and like the chemicals from the feed and the antibiotics and all that stuff that goes through their bodies goes into that water and then it comes in and you're not going to drink that you're going to get sick. Um, I think well water is better than city water too. I'm not knocking on well water. I would prefer well water over city water. All I'm saying is like taste wise, I'm talking, t- but but even quality. I mean, the, I think the taste comes with the quality of water. Mm. You know, the, they put the chemicals in the city water to prevent some of the other microorganisms right. and shit that, you know, people flush prescriptions down the fucking toilet, you know, and all that goes down into the cities and then it goes to the plant and they filter it all out. Da 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 da. So there's shit in there for sure. Then they got to add the chemicals to kill whatever it is they're trying to kill to make it safe to drink. Um, but, uh, that so when we went to LA, here's a funny story. We went to LA um, when we went on our trip, and uh, we stopped into this uh, um, this used furniture store, looking for some stools for this little apartment we got. 
And uh, we're looking around, and I and it's hot there. It was like in the 90s every day, and so I've got my water bottle with me. And I drank my water on the way there. You know, we'd been shopping around a little bit for the whole day. And uh, I get to this place, and the, we're talking to this lady. I'm like, hey, you got a place I can fill up my water? And she goes, sure. So like in the back, there's a sink. So I fill up my water at the sink, and I come back, and I'm drinking it. And I could definitely taste the difference mm-hmm. in the L.A. city water. And she goes, are you drinking that water? I'm like, yeah, I'm thirsty. She says, don't ever fucking drink L.A. tap water ever. It'll kill you. And it's just like, I was, I just drank it. I don't know why, but it's like, it's something that's, maybe it's just a little bug I have, like in my brain, that's like, fuck it, I'm going to drink whatever I want to drink because it's going to make me stronger. Mm. You know, I'm like, give me the, give me the shit water because <laughs> if I can handle this, I can handle anything. And so it was like, kind of like a badge, like, I don't give a fuck, I'll drink your water. But, uh, um, but it was, she was appalled that I would drink that water. And there are people that would be appalled that I would drink water out of the tap in Baraboo. You know, it's like, it's your level of comfort. Yeah. I grew up drinking sure. water out of chemically ass garden hose. You know, that's what, that's the water I drank. And it was city water out of a garden hose. that tasted like hose. You know, my grandfather in Texas, one of the first time I visited him, he's like, come here, boy. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to, I'm going to show you something. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So he goes outside and he turns on his water spigot. I'm like, oh, okay, what are we doing here? And we go out to where the hose is, and he goes, take a drink of that water. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I took a drink. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, does that water taste like hose to you? <laughs> I'm like, no, Grandpa. Don't take it taste like hose. He goes, that is the only goddamn hose I will ever drink out of. I never taste hose out of that hose. <laughs> he goes, I've had that hose for 15 years. And he goes, that's the only hose I ever had that don't taste like hose water. He says, you drink that water all day long and never taste like a hose. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. It's like, I don't know. It's this funny thing with water that we have. But I used to, Yeah, I used to drink out of a hose too. But my parents were on well water. Yeah. But it, it's going through a rubber hose. Oh, no, absolutely. But I, and I don't recall it ever tasting like hose, to be fair. Never? Yeah, see, I like, there's times when I'll go to, like, I'll go to be working at somebody's house and I need water and I'll just flip on their faucet, let the water run out of the hose till it gets cold. And, and I can taste the hose sometimes. Yeah. yeah. For sure, especially if it's a new hose. Yeah, hose, get, hose water. A good used hose. <laughs> you got to get a good used hose. <laughs> got to put a lot of water through that hose before it tastes like hose. Before it doesn't yeah. taste like hose. So who grew I, up tasting? Who grew up? Their challenge. If you grew up drinking hose water, raise your fucking hand on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, take a picture of it. Yeah, take it a does. picture of it. Yeah, I want to see a picture of someone's hand raised. I uh, when um. When Ryan Ramnerius used to work out of Konamichi, and he yeah. did his coffee there, he did. He had some weird filtration thing. Did he ever show this to you? Really? No. Uh. Uh-uh. He they put in some weird filtration thing, and I went in there one day for coffee, and he goes, "Try this water." I'm like I want a coffee. He goes, "I know." He goes, "I know," but try this. And he gave me this water, and I tasted. I'm like, okay. And he goes, "What do you taste?" I'm like, nothing. And he goes, exactly. <laughs> that is the perfect ph and filtrated water for coffee oh, and it was like i don't yeah. know he was all proud by it i'm like it, it, i'm like to be honest it's really fucking good yeah it's great water but yeah. it doesn't taste like shit so that's awesome yeah i think so um 
there's a uh, 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 what's that called? Alkalinized water. Yeah. Dealkalinized water. It's a thing. Yep. Um. Again, my grandfather in Texas. He 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 like um. He got on this kick because there was this company that sold this dealkalinized water. It's supposed to be better for your health. And uh, um, I, I don't know if it's dealkalinized or alkalinized. I don't know what it is. But um, he would go in and fill up a five-gallon jug of that. And he would start, you know, that's what he would use for specific things for, you know, taking his pills or something. I don't know. But he talked, he, he absolutely loved it. And it might have been because it cha- changes the pH and everything mm-hmm. in the water. So it's perfect. Maybe some coffee nerd in a in a, in a lab figured out that the perfect ph of water to do a pour over oh they have so you can buy you buy like a gallon jug of distilled water and they make little packets like a little uh, propel packet type thing okay and you put one packet into the gallon of distilled water and that adds the perfect level of minerals and it makes it quote the perfect pour over water Okay, see that seems just like that seems like it's like seems like just, it's a lot of work. And and you're at, you're putting shit in your water. Well, but you bought it's distilled water that you have to put it in. So you're basically reintroducing what was already there that was taken out through distillery. Right. So so they distill the water and take everything out of it and then you add exactly what you want in it to make it the perfect content of whatever. Yeah. The know, only man. benefit to that would be going back, and I think we had this conversation a long time ago about I would love to not have to descale my kettle, like you know, just because of hard water. Because of hard water, yeah. yeah. Don't you? You don't have a softener. I do, but it only runs through my hot. Really? You don't have it? Doesn't go through your dishwasher? No, I don't think so. Huh? I'm pretty sure my softener only runs through my hot through water. the hot water. Yeah. Interesting. I think our, my softener runs through the whole house. Like every, every Maybe it does. Softened. Maybe I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I don't, I mean, now I have to go look. Now I have to go look. You should check. Because, you know, it's like the scale that shows up on your on your taps. Yeah. And, you know, all of those things. It's like um, you can, uh, 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 it should go through everything. I think the only, like, some people I know do, like, their drinking water. Mm. They don't want it to be softened. So they'll, like, tap into, like, an RO system or something before the softener. They'll have a line that goes up to... To feed that, but I think I think most of my house because like you, you want it through the hot water heater for sure because you don't want that to scale up, you know. But you want it through all your faucets, you know. And you're, yeah, now I have to go look everything. I don't know. Um, I don't. I know that a lot of people they don't want to drink it, but other than that, like you know, take shower with it. Yeah, you do your dishes with it. Do your laundry with it. It's supposed to make it better. Did you? So there's a um, uh, uh there's a water conditioning system. That's not a softener. It's called a water conditioner. And um, it takes all the hard water out. And basically, um, so I only knew about this. So I had a client of mine who um, I had to change all the faucets in their house because they were all scaled up and they wanted all new ones. Because, you know, after a while, the valves and stuff get shitty mm-hmm. and they leak and they don't close right. And it's all full of scale. And anymore, if you've got a bathroom sink faucet that's all scaled up, you can... If it's an older one, you can order the parts and you can take it apart and you can fix it if you're good at that. But to pay someone to do that for you, you're so much better off just buying a brand new faucet yeah. and putting it in. So I put in all these new faucets and he's looking at getting a water softener. And uh, I started doing some research on these water conditioning systems 
that don't require salt. So one of the downfalls or some of the downfalls of a water softening system is because is that a you're always feeding salt into it, right? So you gotta you gotta lug the bags of salt around. You gotta buy the salt. You gotta fill it up. All that shit that goes along with it. On top of that, when they do a recharge, it flushes all the salt out of your system and it puts it right into the out into the city, mm-hmm. you know, gray water. So I think it's like I don't know how many gallons they vary, but some of them are up to seventy gallons, where it just like pushes a shit ton of water through, and then it cleans all the salt out and it recharges your system. With these systems, there's zero salt, so there's no recharge. So it doesn't a it doesn't dump all that salt into the gray water system. B, it doesn't require constant filling of the salt. And there's a chemical reaction that happens inside this tank. When the water comes in, um, the, the, uh, it actually changes the molecules um, to like of hard water and it traps all that shit inside there. So it changes the way they react. So um, the, the hardness in the water, like... Uh, when it's a, when it's not in a conditioning, I'm butchering this a little bit. Bear with me here because I'm trying to remember exactly how it, it went down because I read it. It was a couple of years ago. Um, when your water's flowing through your system and it gets into the tap, the hard water will want to stick to your steel surfaces. It, it will like make them sticky, like the 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 um the the minerals, the hard water minerals in the in the water stick to the metal surfaces. When it goes through this conditioning system, it makes them not want to stick. So they'll just pour straight out into the into the drain as opposed to sticking to all the metal surfaces so you don't have it where it clings to things. So it makes them like Teflon or whatever. It just bounces off everything and goes right through um, as opposed to um, the soft water actually um, like traps the hard water, mm-hmm. traps the minerals in there. And then that's what the recharge system does is pushes it all out with all that old salt. Gotcha. Um God, someone's going to be way smarter than me on this and is going to tell me different. But this, this water conditioning system seem like a re, seems like a really great opportunity to get your whole house water clean because it comes with a pre-filter um, and, and, and uh, not hard. So you're not going to be wasting, um, you're not going to be putting uh, hard water through your faucets and your refrigerator and your your clothes washer your shower all that shit where everything builds up you don't have the build up but you also don't have to deal with the salt so it's it's a uh i want to say it costs like 1500 bucks to put it in hmm. um it's a really cool system i really think it's um if i if and when i if i put a new one in the house next time i move i'm gonna put one of those in yeah there for sure yeah i like i really like the the concept and i like the um than not dicking around with it all the time. And he seems to be, my client seems to be very happy with it. He said he doesn't have any scale on his sinks, which he had really bad before. You know, it's like you look at the bottom of your sink and yeah, all that crud and shit. And it's so hard to get off. It's so hard to get yeah. off. So how do you clean your kettle? What do you do, vinegar? Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah, we talked about it once, and it's just, I don't use a lot, though. Like, I'll use a couple tablespoons of vinegar and a lot more water. And I'll just, I would rather run more cycles of that than to do heavier vinegar. Just because you don't want that flavor sticking around? Yeah, because I've had bad experiences with it. I'm not fucking dealing with it. So, like, I will, I'll I'll do three, like, boil boils of vinegar water, but it'll be a lot more diluted vinegar water. 
Mm-hmm. And then it, it cleans it just fine. It just yeah. takes a little bit of time. And then I rinse that shit out like a million and a half times. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I, we might, I might've said this the last time we talked about this, but my mom, she doesn't wash her, her coffee pot. So she's like, she's got a, just a regular drip coffee pot. And I remember I'd, I'd go to her house and fucking coffee pot is gross. Mom, your coffee pot's fucking gross. You can see that like the coating and everything. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, you can't wash it though. Cause if you wash it, then makes your coffee taste like soap. And so she's like, you just got to leave it and just keep using it. And then I don't know if she ever washes it. Mom, if you haven't washed it in a couple of years, wash your coffee pot. Get that flake scale <laughs> shit in there in your coffee. But And she drinks a lot of coffee. She loves her fucking coffee. But I just remember that was one of the things. She says, never wash your coffee pot because it changes the flavor of it. And you don't want to change that flavor of your coffee. And I don't well, know. Well, the problem with a coffee pot is like you brew a, a thing of coffee and then it sits there and it's sitting on a heater. Yep. And that is just like, that's where you get all that nastiness coming out of the bottom. Is because it just sits there and it's baking. Getting, yeah, it's just baking on your pot. Yeah. Yeah. No. When I was a kid, um, when I was living with my mom's, <laughs> my mom and my stepdad in, in Montana, my stepbrother and I, we would get hungry in the middle of the night, like every teenager gets hungry in the middle of the night. But we we're like, uh, we thought we'd be a sneaky because we had these frozen pizzas, and we're like, oh. We could cook a frozen pizza on a coffee pot. Nice. So because they were the the personal ones, you know, yeah. the little ones. So we would take the the thing off and we would cook these personal pizzas on the coffee. I mean, it thawed them out. <laughs> That's <laughs> so gross. It didn't really cook them. They were kind of soggy because they were frozen. But we didn't care. We thought we were fucking geniuses. It's like you ever you ever is tried- that is that like the most innovative cooking thing you've done? I don't know. What do you mean? What, what do you like? We're using a something that it's not meant for to cook something. I you ever cooked a pizza on a on a barbecue on like on a grill? No. So fucked up. Like so, it's like such a bad idea. It never like a frozen pizza. Yeah, it's like the worst. It, it seems like a good bad. idea. No, it doesn't. What at the? Actually, I think they even advertise to do that, don't they? On the back of some of those frozen pizzas. Really? I don't eat frozen pizza often, but I feel like I've eating like a tombstone or something it's like put it on the grill really so no I'm, I've, I've never seen that i just i we tried to my uh, cousins and i we're in uh in in middle school and the power went out and we we're hungry and it's like oh we just cook a frozen pizza on the grill and it's like the whole bottom was black Ugh. and the whole top was raw you know it's like we a we didn't know how to use a fucking grill to save our yeah, lives. Sure, so it's so just it's blasted. Like, turn it on high, throw the pizza in, and shut the cover. And I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be so awesome, bro!" <laughs> it's like we're so fucking smart. Like we just need some genius caps right now. So no, it was it was terrible. We uh, <laughs> this is, I don't know if I should even say this. You should say it if you don't know. You should say it. We were we were having a our boxing night here, mm-hmm. and uh, but at the same time we were remodeling the kitchen, the club kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so we had no appliances anywhere. We didn't have a microwave. We didn't have anything. Nothing? No. Because we gutted the whole thing. And so, you know, it was in a transition time before our meal service. And so, but there's not even a microwave anywhere. For some reason, though, we had a toaster. And a kid needed a new mouth guard because he forgot his mouth guard. And we didn't know how to warm up the water to heat up the mouth guard. So I took a little, like, pot thing I don't even remember what it was, what it was. And I put it on top of the toaster and I just kept clicking down the toaster. <laughs> the water. Did it work? It did work. Did it boil it? I don't remember if it boiled it, but it was, 
it was super it was hot enough to to make it pliable yeah to make his mouth really pliable. see that's like macgyver shit right there it was kind of fucked up and i'm like this is super dangerous nobody look at what i'm doing yeah because you know you're yeah you probably shouldn't have said that <laughs> fucking dump water into a toaster or some shit well what i mean sure you'd probably it'd spark and shit and you'd probably blow a breaker i, I would know. think it would probably trip a breaker before it'd start a fire but uh, maybe that not. was that was the first thing i could think of because we didn't have a microwave even to like boil water in a cup well, that's genius man i mean you got to get it done kid needs to fight he's got to have a mouth guard that's properly yeah. fitted so he doesn't bite his fucking tongue off yeah don't Good forget thing. your mouth guard if you're going into a fight night Ugh. Yeah. fight night's not the right word because that sounds aggressive a boxing was, exhibition night it was yeah I, don't well, know. I wonder was, was that the year that you were a judge i think it might i don't know if it was oh. the year or not. it was me and logan and uh who else was the judge with us no logan was a coach logan was a coach yeah so who are the judges it was me and the mayor oh was it yeah it was mike palm me and mike palm and um fire chief maybe was kevin could, there could have been could have been Kevin. It might have been a, someone from the police department too. Yeah, yeah I don't something remember. like that. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a thing. Um, those were fun nights. Yeah, those were good. The whole, did they still do the boxing program? It's not happening. Obviously, we haven't with COVID. COVID. Yeah, did it shut down because of COVID? Or? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it, was, it was going up until COVID. Was yeah. there like interest in the boxing program? Yeah, it it's gone through you know spurts. Mm-hmm. Um, like the 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 main teen population that started the program had graduated right um so but i think when we had to shut it down we were at maybe eight boxers which is pretty solid that is solid i i I think programs like that see do you know how to fight and we talked about this a little bit i don't well no yeah i've always like there's a there's something about being able knowing you can defend yourself yeah that's so primal and and it's like even even today, I'd love to learn how to box. I think it'd be I think it'd be pretty cool to go to a gym and spend some time with a trainer and actually learn how to box. I don't need to know, you know, MMA shit, mm-hmm. and kicks and stuff. I just want to feel like I can I could adequately defend myself from uh, a a threat. You know, it's like obviously if some guy's a professional fighter, I'm not going to be able to defend myself. But if I could at least keep myself safe that would be that would because there's i think there's a different you walk around differently yeah yeah you we know? covered this yeah yeah i don't know if boxing's necessarily that because boxing is so um what's the word i'm looking for specialized isn't it specialized maybe okay but you're like a street fight there's no rules and so boxing you're you're you know where the threat is it's going to be hand one or hand two mm-hmm and so if you if you prepare yourself just for boxing, I feel like you might be focused on just two hands when sure. it could be a lot of other things. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just I think there's learning how to punch. Yeah. Learning how to be punched. All like, in the hips. It's all <laughs> in the hips. So is that what they teach in the class? It's all in the hips? No. That's from Happy Gilmore. He's sitting there <laughs> rocking his hips. <laughs> was it Chubbs, right? That was helping him out yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so can I change paces on you? Yeah, man. I don't know if my wife wants me to talk about this, but it's relevant in my life right now, so I'm going to talk about it. So, Sam, if you're listening, just close your ears. Um, <laughs> close your ear holes. Turn the podcast How many jobs off. have you quit? 
Oh shit. Quit. Um, let's see. I want to say every job I've ever had when I moved on, I quit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I've, I've never been fired. Right. Um, so when you left that job, I mean, I know it maybe depends on each job specifically, but were you, um, like, did you feel bad for leaving? Um, it kind of depends on, to a degree, there's like a, a, a level of like, I felt bad for the people, like yeah. my friends, yeah. like, like, uh, when, when, like when I worked at the, the printing place here in town, I felt bad because, um, because I don't feel like I was really letting anybody down. I just, I felt bad because I know I'm not going to see these people anymore. Sure. It's kind okay. of one of those things where it's like you have relationships at work that are different than your outside world relationships, you know, like your, your family relationships, your, your day-to-day relationships. Like the, there's not a lot of people that I worked with often that I would spend a lot of time outside of work with. And so those relationships kind of tend to end a little bit. Right. So in that way, yes. Um, but for the most part, I can't say I really felt bad. What about, I mean, were you? So, so my wife is, we've been talking about this for a while. And, and so we've, she's, she's been, uh, casually looking for a new job. Okay. So she's currently, uh, a lead veterinary technician at a at a vet clinic and if you go to baraboo it's none of the baraboo ones so yeah. don't worry about it um and it's just the hours you know she works some hours that don't necessarily align with having two young boys mm-hmm. perfectly you know she might be there till six thirty or something so you know by the time she gets home it's seven and it's time just to put the boys to bed mm-hmm. and also you know on a personal level she's for what she does super underpaid and and so a lot of factors into this anyways so we've started she's been casually looking for jobs and we found one that she at least wants to apply for and we just had this huge discussion of she feels bad if she got another job and again this is just a this is just in a general sense this isn't yeah. assuming she's even going to get this job but like she feels bad because she feels like she's leaving her coworkers hanging and she knows mm-hmm. that they're already short-staffed yeah and so she feels bad if she makes the business even more short-staffed and i'm just my mentality on this is I understand like your friends and like leaving them hanging, but that business isn't going to fucking do shit for you in the sense of like, you're going to, you're going to purposely keep yourself where you're at Mm -hmm. in the struggles because you feel bad for a business that, and is it, is it really the business though? It's like, I could see like if you work for a mom and pop shop and you're really good friends with the owners, and the, and they lean on you a lot, and then all of a sudden you're gonna you're gonna leave. If it, is that is that the case she's dealing with, or is it where it's like the actual owners of the business, or is it the people she no, works with? It's the people she works with, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the people, right? It's always boils down to the people. It's not like a lot of times it's not the work unless you're doing critical, fucking scientific shit, right. you know. But um, I think there's always a, a pull when you're leaving a place that you spend a lot of time at where you have a specific role, you know, and, and, and I think part of that's our ego thinking like, if I leave, what are they going to do without me? Right. Everybody comes and goes at jobs. Yeah. They always figure it out, you know, one way or the other, someone's going to have to pick up the slack or maybe they'll take in a few less pets. You know, they figure it out until they, they fill the space. Right. 
like I'm going through this right now because when you own a company or when you run a shop like you do, you run the the boys and girls club here. It's like people come and go all the fucking time, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's always going to be that thing where as an owner or someone who handles hiring and firing, there's an expectation. No one's going to stay forever, you know? Right. And I think, I think my struggle with it and I, and I know I'm giving super surface details here, but like the willingness of someone to stay somewhere and not necessarily be happy out of in their mind a like kindness a, a duty but a duty towards coworkers. Mm-hmm. like at some point you have to put yourself and your family first and if you've come to the conclusion that that isn't at that location anymore mm-hmm. like you i don't i feel like some you shouldn't be guilty for making a decision that you've clearly made is best we're going to make that's best for your family and for yourself overall. Right. I think I, I understand what you're saying is like you're, you're she, your wife or whoever is choosing to, to say I'm worth more than this. I'm more valuable as a, as a, like I value myself more than I value this job. I don't want to sit in the mire anymore. And and to say that is a little selfish, mm. you know, and, and when you, when you're working every single day with people side by side that you see as your peers, there's a piece of that where you're saying, if you're going to stay, that's great, but I value my life more than you value yours. You know, I value my happiness more than you value yours or otherwise you'd be getting out of here too. You know, if you're all, um, you know, misery loves company, if you're all commiserating every single day about how much something sucks not saying this is where your wife's job is but like i've been in jobs like this where every day everybody comes in it's like oh another day in hell you know it's like there's there's something bonding about that with you and your sure, co-workers sure and so you create this connection around working in hell working in the in the misery and, and like not enjoying your job so we all come in every single day even though we don't like it we have to right well what if we didn't have to well then, yeah, we're leaving. We're, we're quote unquote leaving our friends behind in the mire while we're pulling ourselves out of it, right? And it's like everybody has that option, you know. So, are we putting? Are, are we saying that that like we're smarter than they are? Are we saying that that like we're we're you know we're we feel like I'm more important than you are because I'm leaving you here? You know, it's like there's a psychological thing. I'm assuming is what kind of what you're going at. Yeah. Maybe, but not to that really. I just, I feel like, and it's not a, it's not like a bad work environment. Like she loves her coworkers. And, right. And in fact, she actually enjoys what she does. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you enjoy what you do, but you come home and you have all this workplace drama between certain folks, or you work these hours that you don't want to work, mm-hmm. or you get paid, you know, and then you look online and you can get paid four dollars an hour more doing the same thing somewhere else Mm -hmm. so you add all these things in combination and you can be like okay if you could fix one of them i might consider staying but the business isn't willing to fix it or or have that discussion so you've made the choice to leave but you feel guilty for leaving because you know they're short-staffed and you don't want to put your coworkers in a, in a tougher spot than they're already in because it's already tough like you're you're being selfless in that sense but i feel like it's you don't need to be, you need to prioritize yourself and your family. And I think you have a duty as an individual to, to make the choice either, 
either continue on with where you're at Mm -hmm. and accept it for what it is and accept it that I'm going to do this knowing the hours, knowing my pay, knowing the drama that comes involved because I enjoy doing it and I I don't want to leave, let's just say, Mm -hmm. then fine. You can take that mentality and as significant others or as friends, support it. Absolutely, and I will. But I don't want to then turn around and listen to you complain about hours and pay and all the issues. In the next job. Huh? Oh, you mean if they stay? If they stay. If they I, stay. Like, yeah. I feel like you lose your ability to then complain about those things if you're going to prioritize something else. And maybe I'm wrong in this. I just... Well... I th- that's the thing is like any any job you go to has opportunities to complain about shit oh absolutely you know so it's like there's no guarantee that this next job that someone could go to that makes four dollars more an hour isn't going to have the same fucking bullshit that they got to complain about where they're at because whenever you're dealing with people and work you're always going to have shit that doesn't go the way you want it to go everybody has different ideas of the way it should be you know so it's like there's always going to be opportunities com- to complain it's whether you choose to take the opportunity to complain or you decide, A, I'm going to stay here and, I, and I'm just going to say this is what it is. I accept it. I'm not going to bitch about it anymore because this is what I want to do. Or B, I go to a new job. But if I go to the new job, I think the, the rules still apply. I did all this work to change and go to this new job and I got to deal with the same shit. If it's the same shit, different workplace, mm-hmm. are you going to complain about it? Because you chose it. It's like you're making a choice. Sure. You know, so I think it... it wh- okay, so you as an individual, if you enjoyed what you did, yep. most aspects of it, uh, your kids were younger, um, and you work until 6, 6.30, and the, you as, an, as a parent wanted hours where maybe you're done more traditional hours, mm-hmm. right? 4.35, let's yeah. just say. And... You were paid a wage, and so if you found another job that was higher wages with hours more in line to what you wanted, mm-hmm. but it wasn't what you were doing specifically. Okay, what what's the priority? What do you prioritize? Well, I think the priority it's it's a it's an individual choice. If your priority is to be home at four thirty and make a decent wage, then you're going to take that job that's going to get you home at four thirty. Because I think so. There's the way I would look at it. If it was me, was what do I what do I want five years from now? What do I right. want 10 years from now? Right. So if, if, if the company I'm working at is going to offer me what I want for 10 years from now, but I got to put up with the shit right now, or a new company is going to offer what I want right now, but maybe 10 years from now, I'm not going to get what I want at that point in time. You know, it's, it's kind of like, that the it just depends on what your specific priorities are. Yeah. If like you got little kids at home and you want to be home at four thirty, so you're gonna take that job that's gonna get you home at four thirty, but ten years from now there's not really gonna be any room for advancement and maybe you're not gonna get to that next level that you really would like to have when your kids are teenagers, then then are you what are you selling yourself out for? You know, it's like sure. are you selling yourself out for your future self or your present self? Well, I'm going to pick my present self. If, if if the money's a little bit better and the hours are better, I'll take the present self because I can still save my money, you know, and I can still work towards there's going to be another job. There's going to be somebody else hiring at some point in time. There's going to be more opportunities. You know, it's not like the old days when someone worked for a company for 30 years because that's the only way to get that dream. 
you know, it changes now. You can move your 401ks, you can move all these things mm-hmm. around that you couldn't really do before. You know, so I would take the the job that's going to get me home with my kids a little bit sooner. Now, having said that, it, there's potential to open up a whole new door of of issues with a different schedule that that maybe are unforeseen right now. You know, there's always like whatever, whenever we have change, there's always like different issues that come. We're sacrificing one thing to get another thing. Yeah. You know, so it's like there's going to another company, going to another job. You don't know who you're going to work with. You don't know what your boss is really like. You know, it's like you only know cursory surface wise. You can go in for an interview and they're going to put their best foot forward and show you all the shiny shit if they really want you to work for them. But you might end up working with an asshole every day. You know, it, it might suck. You know, I, you just don't know. There's too much unknown to say that you can hang your hat on knowing what it's going to be. So scrap the future out of the way. What, what am I getting? What do I want right now? You know? Yeah. I think one of the struggles I have as a, a husband, and, and this could apply in either direction, is what, you know, you you want to support your significant other yep. in whatever decision they make. But at the same token, the decision has to be theirs. I mean, I, at some level, it's a family decision, um, but I'm not the one who goes to her work yeah, every so day. it's her and life. Work. And so, you know, as significant others, we often take on the role of the listener to when someone needs to vent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And based on what we listen to, that kind of formulates our advice in a situation. So if I listen to my wife come home every night mm-hmm. with something negative, right? Yeah. Re- regarding a job, it, it may be just her venting and it may be surface and something that can easily get pushed away. But if I listen to that, for months mm-hmm. and then like I ultimately form a negative opinion on that. Oh, sure. And so I'm obviously then my advice is going to be push away. No, I can't make that decision, but that's that formulated my advice because all I've, all I've heard for months mm-hmm. is negativeness. Well, see, that's a tricky part about communication. I think this, that goes to a whole different level of like, when you have a spouse, significant other, whatever, and and they want to talk to you about their day and, and, and they have negative aspects of their day and they're sharing that with you month after month after month, I think that's where it's like, do you want my advice on this? Do you right. really want to know what I think on this or do you just need an ear? Because sometimes it just boils down to I need an ear yep. because I think I had to learn that lesson the hard way. I was always like, what can I do to fix it? How can I make it better? I can tell you what I would do, you know, but really a lot of times they don't want to fucking hear what really you would do or what you think they would do to fix it because sometimes it's not really a fixable problem. You know, sometimes it's not something that can just be fixed by changing in a habit or, or, or for them, it's just something that they've had a hard day and they want to vent a little bit. I think it gets tricky when you when when there's one person that is the main outlet for all of that venting, I think that's where the communication comes in. Where I think that's when, for me, it's like if I got a lot of heavy shit that I need to vent, it's like I got a few dudes. Sometimes it's my wife. Sometimes it's my counselor. 
but I never leave it all in one place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I get people like different perspectives and, and it's like, sometimes like <laughs> fucking my grandmother called me. She bitched at me for an hour on the phone about shit that's going on with family stuff and church stuff and all these things. And, and I just sat yeah. and listened. And when I was done, she goes, well, darling, <laughs> I guess you're my counselor for today. She says, here I am rambling on. It's like, it's okay. Cause we need to vent sometimes. And, and a lot of times when we're venting, we just don't, we don't want someone to tell us what to do. It's just someone right. to just be like, man, that fucking sucks. Yeah. You know, let's have a beer. Let's chat. Like, but yeah, when you're I, the one guy, to, to your point, months and months, that's really fucking hard because after a while, it's like, if this is so fucking terrible, let's fucking do something. Right. Or if you really want this, then then make the change. Make the change and make it possible. Yeah. And I'm always striving, and I'm sure this annoys the fuck out of my boss. I'm always striving for more. Mm-hmm. Like, I am a very much what is next in a career path. Yeah. Um, like, I'm fast. I'm like, I'm fast tracking it. I'm going places. I'm not going to be just stagnant and let things happen. I'm going to make them happen. Like, yeah. that's my mentality. And, uh, and it's, it's difficult for someone with that mentality to give advice that's not that same mentality because not everyone wants to do that. Not everyone is that. Right. And so, you know, you, I want to live in this location. Mm-hmm. Okay. Houses are twice as expensive in that location. Right. Oh, I'd love a three row SUV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would too. And I'd love a truck too. Yeah. Um, And so it's like, there's financial things that come with that. And so that to me is like, okay, well, what can we do to, you want to make that happen? I'm not going to go take out a $40,000 car loan. Mm-hmm. So what can we do financially to make that happen? Well, you're, we're going to have to pick up side gigs or start making more money somewhere. Right. And uh, it's just, that's my mentality when maybe that's just, you know, you say, I want to live here. Or I'd love a three or SUV. We're just dreaming at that point. <laughs> well, right. That's a, for me. Uh, I'm unpacking a lot here, brother. No, I, I hear that. And so I'm trying to follow you. And what, what I what I hear with like if you're talking about a, a, a living in this kind of neighborhood or you want a new car with three row SUV, that's they there are people in the world that it's their job to help people figure that shit out. You know, it's like emotional decisions when I'm struggling with work or I need to vent a little bit. There are counselors out there that help people vent that shit out. So so it's not always the the ones that are closest to us that have to be the brunt of that. Um, when it comes to financial decisions, there are financial planners that help us figure that out. We don't have to do it all on ourselves, our own. You know, it's like not everything. We, we have this idea that, that if we ask for help, somehow we're less than, you know, it's like, but there are ways to do it and we can get a little bit of help that will help us get to where we go, where we don't have to have all the stress that goes with it too. You know, it's like, if you want to save for that house, there's a fucking Edward Jones in town. Yep. You can go have a meeting with Preston Baus and he'll sit down and be like, okay, so this is what you need to do. I see your finances. You give me all your information. I'm going to break it down for you and you can walk away. You can go home. You can go out and have a nice dinner with your family. Not think about one fucking thing about this. And when you come back, I'm going to have a spreadsheet that says you're going to open up a savings account. 
You're going to put this percentage in every single month. This is how you're going to pay for your life insurance, and it's all done. You're going to pay him for that, for that. but at the end of the day, you're going to be a lot better chance of getting to your goals by asking for that little bit of help. And when you go home at night, you're not sitting there at the kitchen table going over your fucking books, banging your heads together, trying to figure out how you're going to make it work. You know, I yeah. think that's the beautiful thing about the connectivity in the world we live in, that that we can achieve these things with a little bit of help and the help's right there at our fingertips. Where before I feel like maybe we always did have to be the only ones to go to, to turn to do those things. Yeah. Sorry. I think I, uh, I pushed you in a direction that I wasn't intending. I was just implying, um, I agree with that by the way, <laughs> full, full <laughs> heads up. I agree. <laughs> Other people can help. Uh, maybe I'm just not following you, man. Maybe no. I'm and I, I, I get that I'm all over, I guess, what I'm trying to emphasize is as someone who listens to as, as a spouse who is an ear, Yep. as we discussed, and you hear these issues, I'm naturally a fixer. Yep. And so even if the issue isn't an issue, but rather a dream, my fixer kicks in and that's the problem because my fixer to, I wouldn't it be awesome if we had this is what well, we can, right? Here's how, mm-hmm. and, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to equate I'm not trying to put a huge importance on money here because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's not important, but money gets the things that you want. Right. Yeah. And so, okay, you want this, that's fine, but here's what you need to, here's what we need to do. If we want to do this, we need to make an extra, you know, 10 grand this year. Right. So how are we going to do that? Well, either you're going to take a second job or I'm going to take a second job or one of us is going to get a raise or you're going to find a job that pays more. Well, you, like yeah. that's the fix, right? That's your, your fixture and your logic brain. Right. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of times it's not about the logic and maybe sometimes that they don't even, a person doesn't even really want all those things. It's just something that they can vent about. Cause exactly. It's just a wish list. And, yeah. and my brain turns it into, okay, I can, I can accomplish this for you by X. Yeah. It's a so wish just, list turned into a, 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 a list of like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know? So this whole ramble is just me going all over the place because yeah, I'm just, what. Well, there's a lot of levels to, to that, man. There's a lot of levels there here. And we're just, you know, on, on, I asked because I, we started this conversation by asking if you quit jobs and if you felt bad for it, because my wife is, is looking for another job and is she, but the hesitation is she feels bad for her coworkers. And, and my thought about that, that I had before we got to the three row SUV <laughs> <laughs> was that's ego. Like, I think there's a lot of ego that thinks we are so powerful in ourselves that we have control over whether someone else is going to enjoy their job more or less. And we don't. Yeah. That's their path and their journey. And they get to make that choice for themselves. And the instant we think we have this big of an impact on their life, that's a lot of ego and it's bullshit. You know, it's like they, they love us and we love them. But at the end of the day, they've got to make those decisions for themselves. Anybody in any workplace and so, like, we have to take care of ourselves in that moment. Yeah. You know, so, but our ego wants to believe that somehow our decision is going to directly affect everybody else. And at the end of the day, it's like, it, maybe they'll feel it for a day or two, but then they're going to get down to work. You know, they got shit to do and they're going to do it whether you're there or not. Right. You know, and so it's like, if we get out of our own way and let go of that ego and understand like, okay, I need to make this decision because I feel like it's the best decision for me and my family. 
those people are going to be okay. Right. You know, I'm not this all powerful being that makes their day bright and shiny when I walk through the door. Yeah. You know, it, knowing my wife, it not saying that that's your wife. No, 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 no. I'm just going to say way. ego. My wife is not an egotistical person. She's pretty, I'm not saying that she's pretty humble. Yeah. And I think, I think I just want to emphasize like, it's okay to do things for yourself. Mm hmm. Everyone else will be fine. So maybe there's your ego. Yeah. Everything else, everyone else will be fine. You yeah. don't have to be the savior to your coworkers. Right. That's, that's what I mean. That's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody I, yeah, has okay. that. We're on the same page. Yeah. Here. Yep. I don't, I'm, I think, I think it's not in a negative. No, sense. it's not a negative yeah. egotistical person. Like uh, it's everything about me. I think that it's a, it's very low level. Like, like everybody has that little bit of that ego that feels like somehow like we our impact on somebody else's life is, is going to be so great that if we change what we're doing, it's going to affect them and make their lives more worse or better, yeah. you know? So it's not like she's an egomaniac or anybody that feels that way. I just think, I think it's very natural Yeah, that when we, we get into that setting, it's like, we feel like we're such a piece of it that we'll feel bad if we leave because sure. we're going to change their lives too. Sure. But at the end of the day, everybody's lives change every single day by unknown happenstances that come across our, our table and it's just part of living yeah you know so i think at the end of the day just do what you think is best make 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 an educated decision and stop playing the what if game yeah the what if game that's that that's the thing man yeah that's a, that, there's so and much now, stress in that in that uh i need to uh flag this whole segment and back enter my voiceover saying <laughs> sam if you're listening stop listening for the next 20 minutes uh, I it's real. It's real. There's yeah. There's a lot. Well, of hey, levels. we've we've covered. We've said this before. This is a real conversation. Yeah, you and me go way back. Yeah, and, man. Uh, yeah, well, you're a mentor to me as well. So I appreciate advice, my friend. I I think the the thing that of our listeners that actually listen to this, the people I've talked to, is like it's just real shit. Every single day, everybody goes to this shit. Right. You know, it's just, maybe we don't talk about it with anybody other than our spouse. And so when you said earlier in, the, in our conversation, how someone's like, oh yeah, man, I wanted to interject. It's because it's stuff that we all deal with, but maybe we don't talk about as much other than maybe with one person, you know? And it's like, and maybe we don't even talk to that person as, as much about it, what we're really feeling, you know, and in this, it's, it's, it's real. And I think that's the way we got to do it. Yeah, I think it's the right way. And I know it makes it kind of all over the place, but mm -hmm. life is all over the place, man. It is. It's especially now, especially now it's all over the place. Yeah. Um, I was reading this morning. This is like a total dive off of what we are just talking about. So if there's something you're thinking about right now that you want to interject this conversation, read the fucking read more under the title because yep. Kyle's going to put something in there. Put your, put your thoughts in there, everybody. We love that shit. We'd love to hear from you other than, you know, we got the one vote, loving that one vote. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's ramp it up and we'll get two the next time. Um, I was just reading this morning. So we're, we're still in the middle of this. Is it a pandemic anymore? Is it not? Our numbers are going down some in Wisconsin, but in the states around us are ramping up. There's a new variant. We got the vaccine rollout. A lot of people are pushing back on the vaccine. They're not getting it because they don't trust it. So it's, it's really weird what's happening right now with the whole coronavirus. This morning I read in Brazil, this variant is called the, the uh, I think it's called the um, F1 or P1 or something like that. Um, 
is a lot of young people mm. are getting are in the ICU. And like there are people in their thirties and forties and twenties even, and there's babies and, and it's like, it's a whole different, um, effect on these people. And the, and like there, there are people where their kidneys are shutting down, you know, and it's, 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 uh, their ICUs, they had, I think there was over a hundred thousand new cases a day. Jeez. Yeah. So it's ramping up. It's huge. So Brazil just hit like. 300 and some thousand deaths. Now, I know there's a lot of questions out there about like what is a real COVID death and what's not. And, yeah. and in, the, in the U.S., I know there's like, there were said doctors were getting paid to write it, that it was a COVID death. Yeah, hospitals were getting. Yeah, they're getting yeah. a kickback. In Brazil, are they doing that? I don't know. I, but at 300,000 deaths with the population of Brazil, which I don't know what it is, but I know it's a fuck of a lot less than it is here. That's a lot of people dead from from this, and their hospitals are overloaded. And one of the things that they said was like their mentality was is that it doesn't affect the young people, so they worried about the older people. Well, the young people still just went on with their lives, and now the younger people are the ones that are predominantly going to the ICU because of this new variant. And so it's like, how much of this shit? Like, how long is this going to go? Is this new variant going to come over to the States too and start attacking young people that are not getting vaccinated? It, it's the what ifs. Yeah. You know, a it's, lot of what it's, ifs. it's a lot of, there's so many what ifs that we're trying to think about every single day here based on, for me, even looking at what's happening in other countries. What if that comes over here? Does yeah. it, is it going to come over here? I don't know. Sure. So how do we, how do we process that? As adults, like on our day-to-day lives, like I got vaccinated. You got vaccinated, right? Yep. So I know people that got the coronavirus, they said, well, I had the virus, so I'm not getting vaccinated. You know, there's there's so many variables with this virus. Um, what's it going to look like 10 years from now? That's a good question. I'm assuming you got some time because that's a pretty deep conversation. What, what time is it right now? 10. 10. Yeah, I got some time. All right. Can we take a quick break and come back and dive into this? You bet. All right. And, and we're, we're back. back. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you know, sometimes that's, that's all deleted. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah, we'll delete that. Sorry. Shit. You Sorry, don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the power of editing. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to delete shit just because, you know, you just, you don't know what kind of ticker, ticking time bomb it's going <laughs> to create, <laughs> you know. Everybody needs a little venting, and sometimes our venting doesn't need to be right in the middle of the podcast. Maybe someday it'll just be blatantly Wouldn't out there. that be a day? That would be fucking awesome, honestly. I, oh, I don't know. Here's the thing, though. You'd have to be in such a great place in every like aspect to be able to do that. And within yourself. I think that's like just the confidence within yourself that this is who I am all day, every day. That yeah. I can lay it out there on the line so nobody's going to hear anything they don't expect to hear. Yeah. You know, that's like, that's the tricky part because some, so that's some real shit, you know. But I think that's what people like about that conversation is because it's really fucking hard to have, but everybody has it in their head. You ever have an argument in the shower by yourself yes. with your wife? <laughs> Not with my wife, but yes. I have, no, I like, I'll go over arguments I had with my wife. I'll be in the shower and I'll be like, oh, I could have said this and I should have said that. And it would have gone, it's like, or some, a coworker 
or whatever, but I will. I'll go over arguments and I'll have them in the shower with like by myself. I'll play oh, both like, sides. Like replay arguments. So I don't get into that many arguments where I don't get in that situation. However, I do play the what if game and I have uh fictional arguments with people based on the what if game. Oh yeah. Sorry, I'm clicking. I do that too. I'm not saying I have shit tons of arguments with my wife that I, that I replay. What I'm saying is like there'll be an argument. Like if I have an argument with my wife, sure. Then and then it, and then to take a shower and it's like, fuck, why didn't I think of that yeah, okay, when I was sure. back then? Because it's like that would have been a good point to have. And it's like I always think about the really good shit after it's over. Yeah, I play I play this that stupid fantasy game and then the what if game and I'm mm-hmm. sitting here having an argument with someone <laughs> and I'm making a case for something that no, it's a, it's a fictional this has never happened. I know, but yeah, we do it though because How crazy is that. It's a, it's that, yeah, that's, that's that, some weird psychology it, shit. It is. And that's, that's the power of our, what if brain, we can think about the future. We can think about scenarios that may happen. And if they did happen, this is what I'd say, or this yeah. is what I do. And it's like, it's almost like playing the hero again, saving somebody from a burning car. You're just saving yourself you, in an argument. That's right. You are. It's like, okay, so maybe it's, it's kind of like you're sharpening the sword a little bit maybe <laughs> maybe you're like preparing yourself for battle that, that may or may not come but you're mentally sharpening the sword did you go to boxing class last night no but i went to practice my argumentative <laughs> skills in the shower yeah it's funny it's, it's funny you pr- you bring up boxing you ever you ever like box around by your like it, do like, a little step and jab step yeah and jab? yeah yeah so it's like there's there's times when it's like i'll be doing my stretches and stuff and I'll get out of my stretches. I'm like, oh, I'm throw a couple jabs, maybe a hook. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that felt good. Like, it's like, I think I could do that. You know, it's like, no, you couldn't, you get your ass. You're going to start shadow boxing yourself mm-hmm. in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, I've done it. Yeah, I have. It's like, oh, jab, 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 hook, hook. And it's like, oh, I look pretty good. I, I think, I think I can handle myself. <laughs> it's like, no, Just you can't. Just Ike wearing his sacks. And yep. You're like, I look pretty yep. good. Who wants to yep. fucking fight? Yeah. <laughs> What, you talking to me? Huh? <laughs> I know you're not talking to me. Watch this. Ooh, 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 you know, throw a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't hit the mirror on accident. No, no. I they, were, they were shadow boxing here at the club, and one kid accidentally hit the wall, and he punched a hole through the wall. No shit in the drywall? Yeah. No, that's <laughs> like, funny. oh, whoops. I didn't. I wasn't self-aware enough. I bet he felt kind of badass, though, after he did it. It's like, oh. No, I, I no. made him. It turned into a. Um, it was a teachable a, moment. A teachable moment, and he learned how to dr- fix drywall. Nice. So. Oh, that's a good teaching woman. There's a lot of fucking dudes out there that punch holes in drywall when they get mad as adults. And yeah. Maybe they can, you know, say, okay, maybe I don't need to punch a drywall, get a, a punching bag. Yes. We've got a, uh, go ahead. No. Okay. I was, go. <laughs> <laughs> we got a punching bag hanging in our basement. It's right underneath the kitchen. And I okay. got it hanging from the, the floor joists. And uh, when my son Dylan's here in the summertime, every time he walks by that bag, he's got to give it like four or five really good shots. And so, um, we always know when he's coming upstairs, you know, because it's like he is bah, 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 and it's shaking the whole floor in the kitchen because it's it's a heavy bag and it's just like it's not on a stand; it's hanging from the ceiling. And so, and then it'll it'll rock back and forth, mm-hmm. and it, it'll rock for like ten minutes, and it'll hear this creak, creak <laughs> for ten minutes. And you'll be walking, and what does that noise? It's like, oh yeah, Dylan was just up here, so. It's just a thing that, like, he loves it. He loves it. Just goes by and he just wails on it for a couple minutes, and then he gets whatever he's got in him out, and then he goes on his just way. Moves on. Yeah. What were you going to say? Sorry. No, I was going to take us back to our the conversation we were going to have pre-break. Which one was that? Pandemic and where we're going to oh, be yeah, in 10 okay. years. 
We can do that. I mean, that was a pretty big lead up to the mm. break that you had. And then we just sidetracked it. <laughs> That's all right. Everyone's like, oh, after this break, I'm going to hear what their thoughts about the pandemic. And we come back about fucking editing and (laughs) (laughs) fictional conversations. Do they really care what we say? I don't know. They don't. No. So it's um, to to that point, kind of just kind of switch gears a little bit to that whole post pandemic 10 years from now, what it's going to look like. I just wonder. so I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to podcasts with there's some signs there's scientists and there's celebrities and there's military people and, and uh, um, there's all these different viewpoints on, on what it could or is going to be like. And all the viewpoint I always tend to lean to is less about what I'm going to be doing in 10 years and, and more about like, like what the generation behind me or my kids are going to be sure. doing in 10 years and um, what kind of, what kind of shit they're going to have to deal with. And um, there are visionaries out there that, that see like this, this more of this utopian society where we're going to be working a lot less, you know, and, and technology is going to be running most everything. And then people are going to be a little more of a, like uh, the government's going to provide you a, a living wage and everybody's going to have this X amount that they can live off of and, and it'll be like that. But then I look at the way our world is working and it's like, I feel like it's going to be, it could be like fucking chaos. You know, it's like you look at what, what China's doing and what Russia's doing and, I, and Iran with the, their enriching uranium and North Korea and all these different countries are, they're slowly wanting more and more power. And, and at one point does that boil over? Yeah. You know, like the whole, I just read an article a while ago that Chinese Navy surpassed the, our Navy in size for the first time. Mm. That's, that's a big deal. Like militarily, that's a big deal, especially when you're talking about a communist country like China that takes people and uh, sterilizes them and puts them in concentration, concentration camps because they, they believe in a different God or whatever. You know, that like, it's kind of scary, Yeah. you know, and there, I think there's a, there's a, there's a part of that. What if that we do that? I'm, I'm glad there are people out there that do the what if, and they pay attention to what other countries are doing. Cause I think that if we didn't do that, we could be sitting in a situation where we're blindsided because the problem with living in the moment all the time, that's, that works really well if everybody's living in the moment right. all the time. But it's not. We don't live in that world. You know, not everybody lives in the moment and, and deals with, I'm thirsty, so I'm going to get a drink of water right now. Somebody's going to be like, I know that everybody's going to be really fucking thirsty in 10 years, so I'm going to buy up all the water rights to this entire fucking state. And then when they need water, I'm going to charge them billions of dollars for mm-hmm. it. Because there are people out there that are doing that. So if, if, if more people didn't think about the future what it's going to be like, I think we could be in a lot darker place because the people that do think about it would monopolize everything. And it's already, I mean, it's happening right now. Like China owns so much property in, in, uh, uh, in our country. Like they're one of the largest landowners in the United States. Hmm. They, they own like, they're, they're more than 50% of the businesses in, in, in like, like the, I think the properties in Manhattan are owned by Chinese controlled companies. And the thing is, it's like, if, if it's owned by someone from China, then it's owned by the government because that's the way they work. Like, sure. you know, the, the, 
their state run. That's what they do. And so it's, um, it's just a little nerve wracking. And, and it's like, it's not nerve wracking in a way that I think the United States has always got to be the most powerful, badass country in the world. Because in my utopian mind, I would really like it if everybody was kind of on the same playing field and we all kind of looked out for each other and, and we just, we existed on this planet to, to live our lives fully together. Um, but, uh, that's not the case. No, you took that a totally different direction than I thought you were going to take that. I thought you were going to say, what does 10 years look like regarding pandemic and this, the aftermath of this, you took it on a different scale and that's okay. I think this, <laughs> here's what I think about global powers and frankly, local, I think on any scale, all you have is folks looking for power. Mm-hmm. On a global level, you're looking for countries to be the most powerful country and most influential. Mm-hmm. I think on a national level, all you have is people looking for power and influence. Like senators and shit like that. Like it's 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 all for power and influence. Yep. And I'm sorry, I I don't there might be a handful, but I don't actually think that the majority of our national politicians have any one community's best interest in mind. I, 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 I don't. I think it's all a power play. And that's a hard, that's a, that is a, uh, that's a big thing I just said. <laughs> it's, I think, so here's, I think there's a, I think you're right. I agree with you that um, when you get to that level of politics, it's a power play because unfortunately, that's the way the system works. Yeah. I think that, and this is my rose-colored glasses, so I could totally be wrong, but... I couldn't hear what you said. You just activated my Siri. <laughs> I don't know what the hell happened. Hey, Siri, shut up. <laughs> so, I think that when when people get into, like, they want to be... Not all of them. There are there are career politicians from the look, from the look, from the gate. We've talked we've talked about why people get into politics, yeah. and I'm not I'm not saying that that's not the right case. But I think you are putting up a blind eye if you don't think that when people do something that they think is going to benefit the masses, it's not to maintain power. Well, it's to maintain power, and it's also to to benefit the people that benefit them. Right. You know, it's the the one hand washes another when you get to that level in government. I think in power in general, it's all it's all to the betterment of themselves and the people that are going to help them better themselves. Right. So the, it's yes. a, it's, it's yes. power. That's, that's a great yeah. way to put it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's all about that power, and and it really falls onto the like to 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 better the the people, the masses, the people that voted them in. Yeah. You know. And I don't. You talk about this utopia that this whoever thought about, I I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you could, you could say like on a mass, like on a mass level, I can see it, Mm -hmm. but right above the mass level, you're still going to have the, the power grabbers. You're going to, you're going to have this mass group of people who are, have maybe been, um, you know, non-beneficiaries of a capitalistic society okay and they're going to be we're going to be happy with what is a perceived utopia mm-hmm. but i still there's still going to be politicians there's Always. still going to be those yeah. people who are making the choices for you and telling you what to do there's mm-hmm. still going to be the people who are only out there 
to basically for the power who are going to make more money than you and all they want is the ability to make more money while simultaneously limiting what you can and can't do or telling you what you can and can't do. And you're going to be happy to take it because they're going to provide you with $24,000 a year living wages provided by us. Mm-hmm. I'm going to provide you something. It's, it's like the movie Wally. I haven't even seen that movie. You got to see that movie. It's fucked up. It's awesome. It's a great movie, but it, it shows that, that we destroyed the fucking planet and these people live off of the system and everybody's fat and they drink, they just do the same thing every day and they yeah. get, they get their nutrition and all that shit. But there's like, they're so, not living. Yeah. So I think on a, let's just say the United States level, I think you have a mass majority of Americans who could absolutely see themselves in a less power hungry society. I don't know, maybe about an automated utopia society, but there's, I think think more people want that than less. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's always going to be those elitists on either side of whatever aisle you're on Mm -hmm. who are going to look to impart their thoughts, their visions and obtain that power. Well, on on the whole, we all kind of want to have our thoughts and visions imparted, but they are the ones. You could, they're the ones that have the trigger. They're the one that can push the button to say, yeah. "This is what we're going to do." Yeah. Do you think that without the people that envision the utopian life, the the uh, that that way of living, that um, what do you think would happen if those people didn't exist? I I personally feel like the people who have the visions of the utopian life, they're the innovators. They're the ones that are always trying to figure out how to how to like stop the greenhouse gases and then electric cars and and uh, um, more efficient ways of living and and economics. They're the ones that balance out the the power grabbers, the money hungry power grabbers, the self serving people at the top. They're the ones that disrupt that system. I think that would you know I think we would go down that that. Uh, I think our country would be way worse off if we didn't have those people who could see a utopia. I think they're the ones that balance out the people that are always trying to get more. I think like on a a large scale level, your innovators are um, motivated by power and money. Okay. Here's the thing. If there was no dollar value benefit to fast tracking a coronavirus, do you honestly think Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson Johnson would have come up with that vaccine as fast as they did if there wasn't X amount of hundreds of millions of dollars of incentives to do it? In fact, I, I'm almost positive they're on record saying once the pandemic is less, that they're hoping that this is an annual vaccine that they can charge for. Oh yeah, Pfizer already said that they think there's going to need to be a, a 9 to 12 month booster for their vaccine already so that that's that's and if they're it's not it's not out of i think the benefit of them doing it is the perception of we're here for the goodness but i don't think they would have done it if there wasn't financial motivations right the the fast tracking part yes i think that the government stepped in and said okay we're going to put up billions of dollars to fast track this shit so all you guys bring up your ideas we're going to we're going to you know we're going to pay the winner you know, and we're going to give you the best facilities you can work out of because and on some level, somebody had to make the call that it had to be for the people. The people paying Pfizer, 
like when the government put up the billions of dollars to create these super facilities where they could do their research and, and distribution facilities, the government paid for all that. Mm-hmm. So yes, Pfizer, Moderna, those companies, the science-based pharmaceutical companies that created the vaccines, they're motivated by the, by the big payday. But what motivated the people to pay them? They, they had to at that point. Well, because, because it's about humanity. Is it though? Because I read that the coding for the vaccine was available January 2020 and the FDA said on it. Well, yeah, that's hard. So, so it, I don't, I don't know the inner workings of the I, FDA. I don't, I don't know either. the inner workings so, of that shit. So I can't say that they, that, so I guess in my current, in my, in my mind, in the, in our current world, not saying there's not a better system out there. Mm-hmm. Do I want to have faith in the efficiency of a federal government or the efficiency of a for-profit corporation that can, is looking for money? That, that's, that's really the question, right? Because it, is, this, is it the, is it the federal government or is it or is it so to take the efficiency of a for profit company those looking for money as opposed to a not for profit company looking to save hum, humankind? Yeah, I mean because the government I think is a business we we know that but they're printing money, you know so it's like I, that's that's really tricky to compare those two for me anyway. Um, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to circle back to this utopia, right? And so I feel like. So, so the, the government who, is setting up a pace where they're, they, they want the utopia because of control. Not, they don't want the utopia for, for people to be happy. That's what I'm, that's what I'm implying. And that's, and that's what I, okay. So I hear that because with the vaccines, with all these programs that they're laying out with the, the COVID passport, so you can get places and get in and out with this. So you got your vaccine, vaccine passport, whatever they're calling it, the more they implement the more control they have. Right. Right. And the harder it is, like once you accept something, right. Once you're dependent on it, you're dependent on it. And once you accept or like, yeah, once you accept, they're not, the government's not going to take it back. Once they start it, once they start the COVID passport, it's going to be another thing like taking your fucking shoes off on for the airport. You know, it's like, how long has it been since that one fucking dude tried to put a bomb in his fucking shoe you know, it's like, so now we always have to take our shoes off unless we're old or unless we're a child or unless we're someone with disabilities, then we don't have to take our shoes off. Well, that's fucking dumb. You know, it's like, why are we taking our shoes off every single time we go to the airport? You know, it's like, there's, there, that's that thing that I don't think is ever going to go away. You right. know, it's, and so, it's the three ounces of toothpaste on a fucking plane. Yeah. So Come I guess on. when you said innovators doing it for the mankind, my in instant thought went to the government because there is such a a spread there. Yeah, see, I'm not talking about government. Okay, so yeah. then I would argue that are there really that many nonprofits with enough influence to do that? But they're not nonprofits. That's the thing. I think that, and what I'm looking at is like Tesla. I'll yeah. take Tesla. That's that's like the big one for me is that they're, they're coming up with electric cars. They're coming up with solar power. They're coming up with, um, they, they, so they got roof Starlink, panels. They yep, got Starlink. Yep. They got, um, they make fucking windows that are solar windows that you can get energy from. Um, yeah, all, all types of things. All the things that they're doing, they're doing them and they're making a 
fuckload of money while they're doing it. But the idea behind it, the motivation behind it is to make what we do cleaner, is to make what we do a little bit less invasive for people and for the planet. You know, it's all the, and granted, I understand there's arguments out there that, that the fossil fuel industry, it takes a lot of really fossil nasty fuels to make to, such yeah, thing. Yeah. To make the batteries and, and you get to take nasty chemicals and shit and you got to make the batteries and they're, but innovators like that. Sure. I think, but now to say on the opposite end of that, you brought up Starlink. It's like, so a friend of mine set up Starlink for his home. Mm-hmm. It's super fucking expensive. Yeah, it's 100 bucks a month, and you have to pay like $400 for the equipment. Yeah, so it's super expensive to get it going. So there's obviously a profit there. So say Elon Musk, is he's balancing the harnessing solar as opposed to fossil fuels and making the energy a little bit cleaner, but he's also taking that influence, and he's making a lot of money for himself to, too. Right. So, But it's, it's those people that are going to be stretching those limits on that end, I think, balance out. Yeah, and, and so they're willing to do it, but with the understanding that there's money there. Yeah. And, and I think that was my initial argument is no one's willing to do it for free. Elon Musk has an absorbent amount of money. He's not giving away Teslas at cost mm-hmm. because he thinks it's going to be a better place. He's selling cars Yeah, for, what is it, 35, 40 grand, I don't even know. Right, that's what so it, it re- relatively cheap considering what it is. Sure, but it's still above what he pays to make it. Oh, sure, absolutely. He's making right. a profit. There's still a profit there, and so it's still profit motivated. So, mm-hmm. without that profit motivation, it, who is someone in their just goodness of the heart with the all their money, just giving it away and and creating something for the betterment betterment of society? It's so tricky because you look at guys like Bill Gates and um, Bill Gates, and and he, I I agree, right. So you're going to say Bill Gates donates a bunch of money, right? Yeah, he's a huge philanthropist. Right. But he, he that was after the fact that he made a product and he sold it and he made a shit ton of money. Right. So, but doesn't it take somebody making a shit ton of money to become a huge philanthropist? Look at Rockefeller. Yeah. You know, or, or Carnegie. Like all the Carnegie libraries that got built. We've got one in this town. All over the, the, the country, Carnegie built libraries because mm-hmm. he wanted people to be educated, have access to knowledge. And he made a shitload of money. And then he gave it back. So where does the... But he didn't give all of it back. Well, of course he didn't give all of it back. He gave up his fucking life for it. You know, I think that's the thing. Like, when people give make shitloads of money like that, like, look at Bill Gates. What was his life like while he was making those shitloads of money? He was probably putting in 16-hour yeah. fucking days, seven yeah. days a week. You know, it's like he gave up his life to create this thing to then have all this money. And instead of taking all the money <clears throat> and buying fucking you know, everything under the sun and not sharing it with anybody, he's given it back. So there's, I, I, I will put them into the visionaries that like part of their life was focused solely on making money, but maybe the long-term goal was to make money so then they could do cool shit with it for sure. our, for our sure. people, you know? So I agree with that. I just, I think there's a balance and I don't think you're ever going to get to pure, giving or betterment of mankind unless the situation is so dire that someone feels a moral obligation and i don't think in our united states of america you're going to get to that point no and 
we're always, humanity will always be flawed. You know, humans will always be flawed. There will always be people looking for the angle. Um, and whether it's the way they were raised or whether it's something that happened to them in their lives, there's always somebody looking for the angle to get on top, mm-hmm. you know, and that's never going to go away. You know, it's, it's when you have the percentage of the people working together to kind of like, so think about back in the day when there was more like social justice where I don't know, go back to the wild fucking West, right? If there was some asshole in town going around shooting people, the whole town would descend on this one guy. Cause he w- it's like a pack of dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, you got one dog that's an asshole. Everybody comes in and gets them in line. You better fucking get with the program or get out. You know, we, we were socially accountable to one another and we held each other accountable. We talked about this with the guys group a little bit where you see a bunch of kids walking through downtown being assholes. It used to be some people would walk up to them and say, Hey, cut it out. Right. You know, but we're no longer socially accountable. We're only individually accountable. And as long as we're individually accountable, we're never going to have that broad spectrum of society finding the peace within itself. You know, we're all always looking out for ourselves. And as long as we live that way, we're never going to find that utopia, that peace. And I think that's the problem. And we never, I don't think we ever will. All, all we think about now is every single day we get fed, look out for yourself, look out for yourself, look out mm-hmm. for yourself. That's not my problem over there. That's the, like, I, I, can't, I can't help with that. There's nothing I can do where right now, maybe there's really not as an individual looking at that big problem. There's nothing I can do. But if you had, well, we see it with like the Boys and Girls Club. When a community comes together to support this really great cause, we can do great fucking things. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you have a handful of people who have a dream, but nobody to, to tie it all together, well, then the, it's just a dream. Sure. You know? And I think there's cases where that can be like, like the Boys and Girls Club, like that dream where you can get a community on board is a unified one. But I think right now with certain, uh, I don't know if social constructs is the right word, but like, we're such a diverse nation and we have so many different ideals that you have a group who maybe can do, would do you have, let's just, let's just split it into two sides. Cause that's what our political party is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying one is right or the other. You have group one who feels so strongly about a certain ideal that they're willing to have community justice, as you called it mm-hmm. towards that one ideal but that ideal goes directly against this ideal on side two. Or maybe we talked about this way, way back when the overall goal is the same, but the means to get there is different. Right. That's what I was just thinking. And, and so social justice from group one, they're going to call out different uh, actions because they want to get to group one mm-hmm. or to, the end goal yep. and group two is going to call it different actions because they want to get the end goal. But those two things that they call out clash. Right. And so you're ne- are you ever going to find that blend? I don't think so. I don't think that there's going to be a perfect blend, you know, going back to what you're saying about um, like with the boys and girls club and, and you reaching out and you find a, it's a community goal, right? Everybody wants to help the kids, but they want to do it different ways. Well, say you say you're taking funding for the community, right? There are people 
that 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 uh, get sought out because they have a lot of money, and they're going to say, "Will you donate to this cause or whatever?" And the reason they donate is very different than another person's reason. Yeah. One person's reason they're going to donate to a cause or, or spend time is because they want it to look good for them. They want their they want it to look good on their company. They want to be able to use it for social media to prop themselves up. The motivation, so it's like it's always going to be a challenge with people with different motivations and different ideas on how things should be done. And with the boys and girls club, because we're talking about kids, a lot of people can get behind that building up around the community with the kids, but it's not all for the same reason. So I think you're kind of with the boys and girls club to your point, I guess maybe you can make it work to a degree because you're pulling from both sides. Well, and, but I mean, at the same time, there's people who won't donate to the club. And I mean, just look at Baraboo. There's, how many nonprofits that are trying to address similar issues just in different ways. Mm -hmm. And they each have a similar, but at the same time, very different donor bases because people feel, you know, the best way to get there is differently or they disagree with one aspect or not. Well, and I think that's why that's where a great leader comes in. Yeah. A great leader can reach across and, and, and touch on people's core beliefs and find ways to, to communicate with them that, to, to create a, 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 a vision that works for the same goal, even if you got to approach it different ways. You know, so you can talk to someone who, like you brought up our two-party system, you get to someone who's a Republican and someone who's a Democrat, and it's like, okay, so how do, how do, we, stop, how do we stop all these people getting murdered? Mm-hmm. Like, how many, how many shootings have there been? How do we stop that? You know, it's like, obviously it's a bad fucking thing. Nobody wants to see people right. getting killed. Nobody wants to see cops dying in the line of duty at some fucking school because somebody decides to go in with a gun. There's so many ways and ideas to get to that point, and they're on extreme ends. Some people want to take all the guns away, and some people want to arm everybody, you know. So, But they want the same fucking thing. So that's where a good leader is supposed to come in. And, and help with that system yeah. and, and, and help unite those people because they, they can be empathetic to both sides and try to be a good communicator to bring people together to say, this is what we can do together. How do we get there? With well, that? Yeah, ahead. and I'm going to, then that, I agree. 100 and 1,000 percent, I agree. And unfortunately, that means I'm going to call out every freaking national politician because none of them are good leaders because on either side, it's so extreme in our political world, and that feeds down to community levels that if you are not on their side to get to that end goal, you are enabling this to happen. And so there isn't a there isn't a desire, I feel, to find that common ground to get to that end goal. It's simply, it's my way or the highway. Because it's not my way, you're the reason it's happening more. And that happens on both sides. Oh, because you think someone should be able to have... An AR-15, you make this happen. You're the, you're the problem because I don't think anyone should. Right. And on the other side, you want to take away all guns. That's why crime is so rampant here where there's not many guns. Mm-hmm. It, you're the fault of that because you're not giving people the power to protect themselves. Right. There's, not a, there's not a common ground of this is the issue. How can we get to it? It's my way or the highway on both sides. And the fact that you're not on my side, you are the devil for it. Well, and that goes back to that corruption of power. It goes back to the person who you got you got a guy that's willing to do whatever it takes to get what he wants, so he'll fucking say he'll boldface lie to somebody 
and yeah. say, you jump on my ship and I'll help you out and we'll get this done. And as soon as somebody puts their name on something, then they'll turn around and they'll flip it on them because they got what they wanted out of it. So that person that, that wanted to help somebody, all of a sudden they're jaded. You know, I can't trust you anymore. I can't trust you to, to even sit down at a table to work out a problem with you because if I did, I don't know that you're going to have my back. You know, the lack of the lack of societal accountability, the lack of people working together and not just being individuals. You know, it's like if you look at the Sock County board meetings, fuck. Everybody's got, like you said, this is my opinion. Yeah. And I'm not moving on it. Because if I if I give an inch, you're going to take a mile. That's what everybody thinks. Yep. If I give an inch, you're taking a mile. So I'm not going to goddamn well give one inch. So everything's just everything's lock gridlock. Still. Yeah, everything's gridlock. Yeah, everything's gridlock. So all the while, go back to this whole fucking thing with these other countries. They're watching our whole country do oh, this. Oh, yeah. They're loving that we're tearing each other yeah. apart. And slowly, because we're so fucking busy fighting one another, they're they're picking us apart from the inside. Yeah. They're taking little pieces of it, buying property, buying businesses, buying companies, sending, you know, we send spies over there. They send spies over here. I like, I, but they're doing it. And that I, I think as fucked up as it is, I think as a country, they, they might be more unified behind the cause than we are because they're all told this is what the cause is. Mm-hmm. This is what we're going to do. And so from, from little kids on up, they get told the same message all the time. Yeah. I feel like if I'm an adverse ad- adversary adversary country, mm-hmm. right? I'm simply sitting back in my lounge chair watching the hypothetically most powerful country in the world destroy itself from mm-hmm. the inside out. Yeah. Create a civil war. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we, I don't think we are, but essentially, I mean, we're just so divided that we're, we're killing ourselves. We're, we're in it. a form of a civil war and it might not be all the while body counts all the while I'm profiteering off of it Yep, and I'm growing my power at the same time Yep, so that when you are at your most vulnerable, yeah, see you later. I got you. So a lot of philosophers and will say that it takes a war to bring a country together. It takes something that catastrophic. So the, the coronavirus, everybody thought it was going to bring the country together, right? Um, but it's like, a, it's a, what was it, point less than a percent uh, death rate. If it had been a 20% death rate, mm-hmm. it probably would have been a different story. I think if more people were dying from it, there would be more people getting behind and working together and saying, we need to unify because if we don't, more people are going to die. It's like you'd you'd have outliers still, but I would I don't think it'd be anywhere near the level it is right now. And it's um, you'd have a more unified idea of like what's important and what's valuable if you had more death. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it because it's fucked up, but it's truth. You got to have something that everybody feels. If if one in if one in five people in our country died, twenty percent. Could you imagine there wouldn't be one single person in the world that wouldn't be directly affected in a major way? Yeah. You know, so with everybody, it's like the war. There wasn't anybody in the whole country that wasn't affected somehow when you see your high school kids going off to war, and coming back in caskets, you know, or you see grown men, half the male population of the country is gone. Oh, like over a period of time, they're all off fighting. 
you know, it's like it, cha- it, it changes everything. You know, we're all, all of a sudden we're fighting the same fight, but right now we aren't fighting the same fight because we have so much room for our individualized aspirations, mm. you know? And uh, as long as our country is this way, I think that we're not going to, we're not going to reach a better place. It's just going to be a little bit harder and a little bit harder. Now, going back to the, <laughs> to the 10 years from now, what are our kids seeing as they're growing up in this environment? Are they going to be the ones that are going to be strong enough not to be manipulated by the money? Are they the ones that are going to suffer enough by the decisions of their predecessors to not be manipulated by the money and the power to continue the cycle? You know, that's, that's the question is these, these, uh, these kids, like we talked about BLM a little bit, they have ideas of a better world and they're organizing around those ideas. Now, granted there's, two big time different camps that are organizing around the ideas of a better world, but they're all thinking about a better world. At least maybe they're think maybe they're going to be the ones that are going to be like, okay, so maybe if it's not about the money and we want a better world, we're going to fight to make a better world. Then it might turn into a civil war too, because that's the ideas of what a better world is, but it would be like, I look at my kids and, um, I, I wonder if how much of their lives are motivated by money anymore. They like shiny stuff. They like TikTok stars and shit like that and cool cars. But I, I'd like to believe that, that they're not going to be able to be swayed away from their morals as easily by the dollar, you know, than, than other generations, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, Maybe I'm I'm just being biased. I think my kids are <laughs> fucking the shit because they are. But it's that's the big question for me is is it, it what generation is coming up? Are they no longer going to be able are going to be able to sit by and feed the machine? And they're going to stand up and say, okay, so we're going to fight for people and not just for money. Like it's like when you got a superstar NFL player who decides, no, I'm not taking a big contract because I want our whole team to be better. Right. You know, free up some salary cap space to get like how, how many times did you hear about that in the NFL up until the last five years? Yeah. You know, I didn't now like there wasn't this insane, the insane amount of money given to guys like there, like there is now, but it's only been in the last five years that personally I can think of, I can count on, like mostly quarterbacks and running right. backs yep. where it's like, wait a minute, you're offering me $450 million. Why don't you just give me 350, take an extra hundred million and give me some good linemen or whatever. Right. You know, so the self like to Elon Musk, he's still making money, but he's taking that money and he's doing good shit with it. Yep. You know, that's the difference. Like you get the powerful people that have the power, but instead of taking the power and only holding it for themselves to, to bend everything at their will, they live really well, but they're helping with yeah. it as well. And that's that. I wonder if that next generation is going to be that. I think it kind of has to, because if it doesn't, we're fucked, honestly. Yeah, I, I I, don't know. I will tell you on an honest level, before we had kids, um, and I think a lot of young people who are maybe in that having kids age, like, fuck, 
do I want to bring a kid into this world? Because I don't know mm-hmm. what it's going to look like when they're 18. Well, we're at a population deficit right now for people having new new for people having kids. Yeah, our our like the amount of new new children being born right now is is far less than it was 10, 20 in the you know decades before this. Yep. Because I think of that very reason, people are worried. Yeah. And and because people are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, and they're they can't afford it. And there's also, I mean, there was a movement at one time about you know just going off and doing your own thing. And I don't think kids are part of that. The YOLO, the YOLO. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. There was definitely a movement towards like all, well, when you're, when you have 50% of the population or children of divorce, they're like, why the fuck would I want right. to do that? Right. You know, why would the I marriage, want to- you know, I'm not getting married and I'm not having kids cause divorce and unknown and yeah. financials. And I want to go do this instead. Yeah. I think that's, that's where my son Connor sits. He's like, there's no well, fucking young. way. He's young. He's young. I know, but he's, but he's said it. I mean, that's his mindset right now is like, I'm never having kids ever because I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's obviously, you know, I went through a nasty divorce and he was a big part of it. You know, Mm -hmm. he, he took the brunt of it, all with the other kids that were in it. And it's a fucking traumatic situation. You know, I mean, obviously I was a child of divorce too. Um, and I somehow got over it, (laughs) but, but it's, it is, it's like, it's, I think it's a, the number of divorces now and, and, uh, and the current financial situations people have and the current economic situations of the country. And then the, just the, the bullshit that we're dealing with, you know, that we're, why would we want to, you know, yeah, it's going to be so much harder to raise a kid with all this shit that's going on, you know? Yeah. It's an unknown future, man. Yeah. What if, what if that's that's <laughs> going to be the name of this podcast is what if yeah what if it has been kind of an intense conversation we've it's fucking awesome this is good I, shit, yeah <laughs> it's, uh, i love it appreciate everyone for listening this week to this conversation i know i look i still have more things that i want to ask and in part into this conversation so i know you guys and gals do so fucking let us know all right Stop just listening with your ear holes. Look at the details. There's a nice little email or voice message. I need. We need to hear from somebody. Yeah, please. Somebody Im- impart yourself into this conversation. Just hit. Just do the little voice message. Hit the record button on your on your phone. Click it in there. Send it in, and it's it's easy. It's easy. It's a lot less than having to type. <laughs> do it. Do it. Look it up. Do it. Go past the read more section. Tell us what you think, mom, dad. I know you guys are listening. Do it. I want to hear it. <laughs> at least at least show up for me make me look good <laughs> where does your dad live i'm sorry well i got actually got i got two dads actually three dads one dad in texas one dad in idaho and i got a stepdad that lives in uh in montana but okay one dad i'm talking about that listens to this on a regular basis right just started listening i referenced earlier he's the one in texas um well someone from spain or at least they have a vpn with a Spain IP address, <laughs> listen to this podcast. Really? So if you're the person from Spain, hi. That could be my dad in Texas, because he, he he's he's watching that shit. He's like he's got a little VPN. He's government asks it, it, he's in Spain right now. It wouldn't surprise me because he I saw he's that always like, what the hell he's always on the making sure government ain't paying attention to what he's All doing. Right. Yeah, so that's I, cool. I, I think that could be him. If that's you, that's kind of fun. You know, that's hilarious. If it's actually somebody from Spain, that's pretty cool too. But who knows? Who knows? It's all good. I bet it's him. 
All right, everyone. We'll have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. Ike, my friend, this has been fun. Yeah, yeah, man. This has been a... a it's been a good one. It's been a riveting conversation. Nice, good depth. And uh, so... Peace, everybody. And, yeah, much uh, love, much love. Kyle's not letting Ike take that one from me this week. Fucking <laughs> All right, later, everybody. All right, see you guys. Bye bye.